Hey guys, Kyle here with a quick note. If you were paying attention when you clicked on this episode, you probably noticed that it said explicit. Now, I assume most of you know what that means, but just in case you don't, that means we've got some colorful language. We've got some swearing. Now, I know I've sworn on the show before, much to the dismay of my mother, uh, but I've never it's never been too much and I've never felt the need to, you know, mark an episode as explicit. But this one has got quite a bit and I know that matters to some people, so Here is your disclaimer. Here is your warning. Regardless of what you think about language, I hope that you choose to engage with and listen to this episode because um, it's quite delicious, if I may say so myself. But there you go. There's your warning. And without any further ado, you beautiful people, here is the interview. Welcome to Humming Fools, a fortnightly podcast and amateur auditory guide hosted by nobodies and dedicated to the artists, dreamers, or anyone out there with the creative urge. I am one of your nobodies, Kyle Stuke, and I am joined by my co-host and consistent spoon buddy, Noah Bosley. What's a spoon buddy? I mean, I think it's self-explanatory. <laughs> Noah, how are spoons. you? Yeah, we share spoons. Um, I'm good, Kyle. Thank that you, was a great intro. Thank you, Noah. Uh, I felt always, very affirmed. Always good. I've never said anything incorrect or stupid. That's and right. tonight, we are joined by graphic designer, illustrator, and owner of Big Bot Design, Chad Moppin. Did I say that correctly? You did. Congratulations. Thank Whew. you. Um, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> you need anything? Or, uh, uh, yeah, I need to know which one of you is the inner spoon. <laughs> Ooh. Your spoon buddies. Are we going by height? I, I think we mix it up. I don't remember. Just being tell us what you position. do when you're alone. Okay. Which one's the inner spoon? So Noah's French. So <laughs> that's true. I don't know what that explains about well, it. Well, I'm going to get into your French to baguettes. Yes. yes. You don't have a French accent. Oh, thank you. He's been uh, is that a compliment? I don't know. <laughs> How long have you lived in America? Uh, five, six years. And you've uh, wow. But my mom's American. Because yeah, so don't be uh, impressed with him. <laughs> Because he's also number quite one, vain. Go back to where you came from. Well, I, yeah. I want to get, get, get that on the record. Sure. That, uh, Are you sure you want to get that on the record? <laughs> Telling someone to go back to where Sarcastically. They came. I, I'm mocking the, the hell mob of Sir, America. That we're I am in. a U.S. citizen. Do not tell me to go back where I came I cry every day about this country. I don't mean it. Yeah. Um, okay, that's interesting. You totally, you'd have zero. Well, I never yeah. would have dreamed. I I worked to get rid of it. So so you must yeah. like have no problem saying my name because it's a fr- it's French. It's mo- oh, is it? It's Mopan. Mopan. Yeah. Yes. It means my bread. It means sad dirt person. Sad dirt person. You know, I don't know if I would have gotten that from it. So yeah, that's I come from a long line of just sad dirt people. Well, I got that just when I when I met you. You son of a bitch. You're you go back to where you came from. That's right. You go back. As a sad dirt person, I'm offended. By this That's conversation. Right. Speaking, my, my family built this country with with grit and brawn and, and dirt. dirt and dirt. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, white white amazing. people. Huh? That's right. Yes. Bunch of anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 
crackers. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to say it. I'm allowed to say it. Yeah, you can. So, say it. so when you go back. Mm. Does, to where you came does from. Your, <laughs> go back to where you came right. from when we're, done, when we're done talking about this. Yes. And you speak French. Yeah. Is your French accent compromised? Like, do French people think you talk you talk funny? They do now. Because you've done such a good job of training your... Yes. Uh, I've definitely lost my my French some. Yeah. Um, mm. and, and when it does come back, there is a, an American I, accent. I bet they're so rude to you. They're just like, yes, right. you, oh, you American yeah. piece of shit. Yes, you right. think you know some French and you can come over here? <laughs> you know, we live here. This That's is our right. home. That's this right. isn't our honeymoon going to the Eiffel Tower, you asshole. <laughs> We've seen how things are over there. We don't need you bringing that they here. They just point at you and go, Pizza Hut. <laughs> 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 oh, the mac and cheese that way. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's been my experience. Yeah. People Dang. always give the French a hard time. I'm like, if you lived in the most famous tourist, it's a country, but it's like it's a small country. Like, yeah. you've got millions of idiots. Like, <laughs> I hate Americans. Yeah. Imagine living in a place where you're just overwhelmed with them. Your economy relies on them. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a good time. And they're constantly <laughs> walking into your shop going like, yeah. hey, man, you got a bathroom? Yeah, no, no effort to, <laughs> to, to communicate. No. Yeah. Like, like when I was in grade school, I was born in 1972. I remember being in fourth grade, and they were teaching us the metric system. I remember one of the kids, this is in fourth grade, said, why are they teaching us this? This is America. We're never going to learn this shit. <laughs> like he already knew by then. Like, oh, my yeah, He knew by then. Like he got the memo. Like, yeah. no, baby. You guys got to adapt to us. Our system yeah. makes no sense mathematically, but no, you got to learn both. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go to other countries and just walk around, drop our Snickers wrappers and That's fart. Right. And, so we don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, they're so rude. I'm like, it's probably a miracle they don't just murder Americans when they cross the border or <laughs> right. have a Hunger Games for Americans. <laughs> anyway, God, eventually they're, yeah, they're going to start collecting all of that. I mean, honestly... You're an American, yeah. You say so. You say right. right. Uh, how much percentage of your day is spent hating people you see that are here? We're pretty awful. <laughs> it's not a good ratio. Yeah, you know? no, it's tough. Anyway, Humming <laughs> Fools podcast. Thanks That's for having right. me on. Hey, uh, this is my mo. I come on a podcast. I derail it. <laughs> I make you talk about. A lot it's of things. not hard. That's the name. So yeah. you're in good <laughs> company. No, we're all about it. <laughs> well, Chad, we briefly said slash I briefly said a couple adjectives about you, but would you mind just telling people a little bit about yourself, specifically in regards to what you do? Big bot design, graphic design, illustration, all that stuff. Yeah, I have uh, been a graphic designer for over 25 years which is crazy to think about. And I got into it because I wanted to be a comic book artist. I was a poor kid uh, stuck in Cleveland, Arkansas. Don't go there. Don't look it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, I got to see. <laughs> Any of you that, that I know that are that still live there that might pick this up, it's no offense to you. You're all I mean, nice it's people, called but, Cleveland. But it's uh, <laughs> if you want to be an artist, it's not a great jumping off point. So... Uh, I was there with my dad, who was my only family, really. And um, and there's a lot to unpack with him that I'm unpacking the rest of my life. And mm. very uh, foundational person to me. But I really didn't have any sort of guidance on how to become an artist. I just always wanted to be one. Um, I mean, six, seven years old, I told my dad I wanted to be an artist. He said, well, they're usually poor. They don't make much money. And I said, I don't care. And I mean, I was very aware of, of what I wanted early on. And so... Uh, 
I got a job at a t-shirt company because I was sending submissions in to Marvel and places like that. And of course I was not anywhere near ready to take that on. I just didn't know what to do. I had an honest, uh, honest, I had a very real fantasy that someone would take pity on me mm. and just go like, well, you can sleep on my couch and ink backgrounds and we'll teach you. <laughs> right. or, I'd heard stories like that about like Roy Thomas, who was a famous Marvel writer and editor that he uh, wrote, in his college paper, he liked comics. He spent his last $20 driving to New York and no joke. Someone there just had pity on him and let him sleep on their couch. And mm. he worked in comics his whole life. And I was like, yeah, it could happen. I could just <laughs> right. go there and beg. And like, you know, you, well, like, you have this yeah. fantasy specifically about Jack Davis. You yes, said, I did. Right? Well, you have good research. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I found out that he lived in the South and he was one of my favorite artists. And so I really did. I thought, well, maybe he'd let me like live in his garage or something. I could sleep mm. on a cot and eat like, you know, baked beans or whatever. <laughs> hey, boy, make some beans. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, I, I guess I imagine he was like a plantation like, gentleman with like the big mustache. And, yeah. hey, there, hey, hey there, boy. Hey. I say, I say. You going to eat them backgrounds or not? I say. Uh, but that's how sad and lonely and pathetic my life was. This was a dream. Yeah. I was like, that might happen. So well, there's uh, an aspirational thing about like the struggling artist. Well, it was whatever. just, I had no, I mean, my um, teacher and I think it was ninth grade at the, the small rural high school I went to, I asked her a question about perspective and she goes, Oh, you know, way more than I do. You can just do whatever you want in class <laughs> and didn't give me assignments. And my friends were like, Oh, cool. Easy. A. And I'm like, this is the only class I care about. Mm. And she's telling me it, it's nothing. I have nothing to teach you. Yeah. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I go to my dad and I, wanted a mail order art course and my dad was a very loving person but there's a lot of it was very complex but he basically was in a uh, self-imposed prison with me mm. and i asked him for a mail order art course and i mean i probably caught him on a bad day but he just goes you really need that like come on like, mm. don't, don't make me spend 100 bucks right and i remember thinking very clearly in my head like don't ask him you're on your own figure it out on your own and i was probably like 13 mm. So this mindset was very clearly set in. Like I wasn't angry about it, but it was just reality, like saying water's wet. Like mm. you're gonna have to just figure it out. You don't know, you'll, you know, you'll figure something out. So I was sending submissions out, had no game plan, knew what to do. I'd moved to California for about a year and a half and I dropped out of college. I uh, was supporting myself early on. And then college was really hard because I basically worked a full-time job for minimum wage and just was barely had enough money to eat. And so I went out to California for a while and stayed with my mom. I basically did nothing but smoke weed and play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> I didn't have a real fun adolescence or childhood. So it was sort of like my little long, it was almost like a year and a half long summer break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't regret it. It was kind of fun. But uh, I came back and I was just sort of drifting. And my dad goes, listen, I don't care what you do. Just get a job. You're sitting around the house. You're up all night drawing. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, right, I'm working, I'm perfecting my craft, dad. Mm -hmm. um, but I found a job at a t-shirt company. It was a little rural metal building t-shirt company. And that ended up being like one of the perfect places to learn. And it's a good lesson, I think, to artists and graphic designers specifically that uh, what you really need more than anything is just opportunity and reps. Mm -hmm. If you've got ability or talent, um, you know, I'm definitely not the most talented person on earth, but I work hard. And I think I have good taste in that arena, at least. And so I was able to observe things and pick it up and apply it. And I was good. And I was very motivated. So I'd have goals every year. Like this year, I need to work better on color theory or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, and so school's great, but I mean, honestly, I know I have friends of mine that have tremendous college debt with an art education and they're not any better off. I don't, I think what it hurt me was the opportunity. If I could have gone to a specific school, like the Kubert school that taught cartooning or comics, Mm because I was so dedicated to that. It would not have been wasted money. Like it was all I wanted, but your general art course in a college, it's not to say that it doesn't have any value, but um, if you're in debt for it, I don't think it's worth it, especially if you're going to a creative field. Like I've never once had anyone ask me about my degree or education. Mm-hmm. They look at your portfolio. Yeah. Or, yeah. What can you do? And so t-shirts were great because um, for one thing, it was very similar to a medium. I love comics. It's kind of like populist gutter art. You mm-hmm. know, you're drawing stuff, you're drawing monsters, you're drawing, you might make a logo for somebody. You're getting a lot of different uh, variety in, in your challenges you're getting. Um, you're printing on a, on a substance that's not friendly to printing. Um, a fibrous mm. T-shirt's not friendly to printing. Well, a pulpy comic book wasn't either. Mm. And so there's certain aesthetics and ways you approach color and the use of color and simplicity and all that that really struck a chord with me. Like I immediately thought, oh, this is kind of like doing, it's kind of punk. It's like you're making these little fun mm. things and mm. And then um, when I first got into T-shirts, this was the early 90s, and uh, we used a computer just for typesetting. So everything was done by hand. I cut film. I did camera work. We had halftone films, which that's the first time I got to see halftone because I'd always been obsessed with it, but I didn't know what it was because mm-hmm. you couldn't go to Google and find out. Right. <laughs> and so the first time I was doing this, I asked my coworker, who was like an early mentor, I said, what are the dots in the... In the comics, you know, what they're called? He goes, halftones. He grabbed a book of them and just threw them down. It was like biblical. <laughs> halftones. Yeah. Was it was like biblical, like, halftones, bitch, and just threw it down. <laughs> but it, it was, it did feel like the gates of heaven, like, oh, I'm getting to learn these secrets. And it was really exciting. And uh, another reason why I mentioned the school thing is that for certain fields, obviously this doesn't apply to everything. Um, everyone's road's different. But I know for me, I was training myself to be a graphic designer probably from the time I was five years old. The way I analyzed books and magazines and posters. And I was a little kid with a magnifying glass looking at Time magazine, trying to figure out. I'd see the dots and how they Mm. four-color printing. And Mm -hmm. I'd get up on an RGB TV and examine it. I was constantly examining my toy packaging and all that stuff. So no one's going to give you that drive or eye or point of view. They can help you um, discover it or refine it. You know, there's things they can help you with, mm-hmm. but you can get that through a mentor or work experience. I, I, I think it's important for people to realize, like, you don't have to. I harp on this a lot because I had no means at all. So I just want those kids out there that have no means to to realize this is not. There's no one stopping you from doing it, especially mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You can get a twenty five hundred dollar Mac and you know, put me out of business. Yeah. So it's really, if you have talent or ability, that's the the key. Yeah. Well, I find that encouraging. So <laughs> Right. No, again, no. And I always joke about people when they ask the question, they're like, if you could, you know, if you could go to any time period or be born in any time period, which one would it be? And it's like now, <laughs> yeah, absolutely now. Like, again, there's a lot of problems. We discussed off, you know, Mike a while ago, but yeah. uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a lot better than by any, things. by any real metric. It's the best time yeah. to be alive. Like yeah. just access to food. Yeah. Medi- medication. Yeah. My yeah. dad was born in 1930s, a depression baby. And I mean, they, they were starving all the time. 
I mean, yeah. he'd have a rabbit gum he'd check on, help it caught a rabbit. His parents would be gone for a week looking for work. And mm. he's taking care, he's eight. He's taking care of his brothers and sisters. He's looking for poke salad. Poke salad's basically poison. Mm. It's this poisonous weed, but if you boil it just right, you don't die. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just horrible. His hair was white until he was seven or eight years old from an iron deficiency. Wow. But that was a thing back then. Like you'd mm. see it in old TV shows. There'd be a character called Whitey running around with blonde hair. It's white. And you're like, Oh, he's got an iron deficiency, or that kid's got polio. We call, oh my we, God. <laughs> we call him make a cartoon. We call him Limpy or whatever. <laughs> but it's like they were just so used to this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the uh, child mortality rate. Mm. Like he had a couple of siblings that died. His other siblings didn't remember. He remembered them. Wow. And it was just common all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was uh anyway, I can go on about my dad forever, so I'll mm. stop. But it's by any realistic metric, it is the best time to be alive. That doesn't mean it's not really scary right now and weird sure because history does not progress does not move in a in a uh, constantly forward Mm -hmm. motion it's usually a little bit of like two steps forward one step back and we just hope this isn't three steps back yeah or 20 but (laughs) but yeah it's there's food everywhere the biggest problem in our country is we eat too much Mm-hmm. We just throw it out. It gets a little lukewarm. Throw that out. Mm-hmm. And if there's a homeless person walking by, don't let him eat it. Yeah. Beat him with a stick. You're like, yeah. It's just garbage now. You're just throwing it out. Like yeah. It's, you know, but in, uh, I, I crack up a little bit being raised by, a, um, I was like kind of raised in Arkansas in the 50s in some ways. My dad was a very Spartan person. We're out in the middle of nowhere. And he wanted to just live as cheaply as possible. And, uh, but it's funny to see if you're on, social media and you see somebody who's a, you know, privileged person complain about GMOs or mm. uh, vaccines or whatever, mm-hmm. that, that kind of argument is, and this is good. You always want to, the goal for society should be that we're splitting hairs finer and finer. That's the sign you're winning. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, what can we pick on to complain about? There's gotta be something like you'd start looking around for yeah. stuff. Right. Like that's good. That means you're not worrying about you're not running from like wild animals. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're not eating your children. Like that's good. <laughs> but it's funny to think like two <laughs> generations out, they're like, Oh, I would never let my kid eat a French fry or eat a thing. And it's like right. I agree. They're not it's not healthy food. Mm-hmm. But believe me, it wasn't that long ago people would have like broken your clavicle to get to that <laughs> that right hamburger on the ground it's a good problem yeah. to have like yeah. yeah and or the vaccine thing i'm just the idea that like people aren't dropping dead from measles and things right. like that mm-hmm. it's like it's kind of awesome you guys you might want to take it <laughs> quit taking it for granted and go get your kid a shot and yeah. eat, a, eat a hamburger or whatever <laughs> but anyway yeah it is it is uh encouraging some of the things that we are capable of every time i go to the dentist i just go thank god that yeah. exists now because yeah. if it would have been back in the oh. day they're like do you want us to pull this out or do you want this pistol I'd be like, mm. <laughs> everything's not that hot anyway yeah. so i guess just give me the pistol i had a good run you know, 13 years um, yeah, that's right. but i remember um i'm older than you guys but i'm not like 85 i was born in 72 and i remember being a child and hearing i was always the kid seeing or listening and everything and i can mm-hmm. remember distinctly news reports about life expectancy or things coming out on the evening news and I remember when it was averaged around 70 or 72. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I think I was a teenager when it finally broke 80. Mm. Now, if someone dies in their 70s now, everyone goes, it's so oh, young. It's yeah. so young. Yeah. <laughs> because also they're probably 70, but they probably look better than people looked at 59. Back right. Then too. A lot healthier. You yeah. can watch movies from the 50s and 60s and there'll be a dude that looks like, 
He's got a 60-inch waist, and he's jolly, and he's smoking. He's like, hey, you got to get that story, Thompson, and they're yelling. <laughs> and I'll sometimes look up, like, I'll recognize the actor and look it up. And I'm like, he's 38? <laughs> I mean, for yeah. real, all the yeah. time go, I'm 10 years older than that guy? That's crazy. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, there's uh, The other day, someone was talking about a movie you may not remember called um, Cocoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a fun movie Ron Howard directed about aliens uh, and old people. Yeah. And uh, hmm. But Wolford Brimley is in it. And the other day, someone pointed out that I think it might be Brad Pitt. It's someone like that mm. who's older now than Wolford Brimley was when Cocoon came out. And I remember going like, what? But, but he was born an old man, though. Yeah, he was. Yeah, <laughs> There's certain people. That's true. Yeah, yeah but, but it was funny to think of, like, when that movie came out, being like, no one's ever been older than Wilford Brimley. Right. And you're That's like, right. like uh, no, actually, Sean Penn is five years older than Wilford Brimley. And wow. he chain smokes every day or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. Yeah, it's just, that's crazy. It, but it's funny how that's just that's science, baby. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say, speaking of science, because I'm the transition king, but this doesn't actually transition to what I want to say. So I'm that sorry. doesn't usually stop you, though. <laughs> yeah, but now I'm just having some self awareness. Oh, uh, okay. Let's go back to comics for a second, because comics is what brought us together in the sense of, I forget how exactly I stumbled upon your work, but I remember seeing it, being like, "Ooh, yes, that's tasty." Mm. Um, <laughs> you really said that's tasty out loud. Yeah, I out turned, loud. I turned, I turned to my left as if there was a camera and said, "Ooh, that's tasty," and I winked at my closet. <laughs> I was my, hoping you'd say you were like a coffee bar, and it was just like some poor lady who went like. Leave me alone. Stop, Stop it. it. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm now blacklisted from yeah, Puritan. That's right. that's um, but- I was just talking about this dorky artist that ruined my life. <laughs> and now I have a restraining order. But um, what is it about comics that you find tasty? Because obviously, you know, we all have... You have to our, use that word. You have to, yes. You, <laughs> you must use it. Tasty, delicious, that oh, nutritious, delicious. splendacious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll say tasty for I'll say delicious. Oh. <laughs> I still Good, you win. Got, you got to set the bar lower and then he'll <laughs> yeah. just grab That's it. right. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm still I'm winning. Like, I'll say tasty all day. I'm not going to say delicious. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I win. Um, but just talk a little bit about, yeah, comics and what made you go, I, I like this and beyond drawing, like specifically yeah. drawing that stuff. It's it's funny, like they I can't remember a time I didn't wasn't obsessed with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm not entirely sure. I think about it a lot because you know, I'm a narcissistic artist. <laughs> so I think about myself constantly. Um, no, but but obviously there's when you're real little, it's just fun adventure yarns and cool pictures and mm-hmm. very colorful, very visceral. Um, I have a similar relationship with Star Trek because the reruns were really big when I was a kid and it's it was such a visceral show with the colorful uniforms mm. and the the way they painted with light, which at the time was like no one had ever done that on television before. Mm-hmm. So it was actually kind of a revolutionary show with effects and stuff, which is funny to think of now. But all that stuff to my little kid brain, I, I guess just being so visually oriented, I just ate it up. And I have to, my dad and I have never, t- my dad was like a mentor and best friend and he was an artist and a pretty big thinker. I don't remember he and I ever discussing Joseph Campbell, but we had to. I feel like mm. I feel like my household had to have been so because he was into fantasy and he was yeah. into a lot of uh, things that were out there. And uh, I just think my brain—I don't know—maybe it's an aptitude thing, just a personality thing. But 
the Joseph Campbell kind of archetypes and hero's journey mm-hmm. stuff. And I remember being really little, like five or six and telling my dad that superheroes were modern mythology. That mm-hmm. I'd figured that out. Cool. Wow. wow. And of course that's not, but for a five-year-old, that's not too shabby. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, but, people say that, but yeah, as a five-year-old, yeah. I have that thought of like, but I remember the new Greek myths. <laughs> I always liked mythology. My dad and I talked about mythology a lot. And so I think my brain really connected to all the symbolism and archetypes. And then, um, and then also it just was the funness of it. It's like a little hidden world that no one, you know, your mom or someone doesn't know about. It's yours. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then um, one, I was about six years old and uh, my dad, usually when you're real little, you consume media very passively. And your parents just go, we're going to see Dumbo. Let's go. Mm. And uh, very early, I was very opinionated about these things. And uh, I had that relationship with Star Wars too. I remember seeing the commercial for that movie and going, we have to go see that. Like it just, I knew immediately, like, I've got to see this. And mm-hmm. there was no home video and it was so popular. It was in theaters for a couple of years. You could go see it all. You'd find some little theater that had it. Mm. And I dragged lots of people to make me go see it. But I remember the first time I see it very vividly and with my dad. But um, all those things are sort of intertwined, that kind of pulp and mythological storytelling and the kind of um, vividness of it all. You know, it's all done to be kind of heightened. And and so then a, another big instance of that really becoming ingrained was, uh, you know, you consume media passively, like I said. So, you know, if my dad went and got his haircut, he'd come home with a random Batman comic off the spinner rack at the barbershop or whatever. Mm-hmm. So one day he came home with a Captain America and a Black Panther comic. And this is when Jack Kirby had gone back to Marvel after his commercially failed fourth world run, which is brilliant, but... <laughs> didn't change his life like he hoped, I think. And uh, he came back to Marvel, and it's so weird and powerful. And it, the the comic, I have it still, and it's this comic that's full of so much stuff. I remember being a little kid, and I couldn't read it all. Like, it would just freak me out. It was just too intense. <laughs> so I'd walk away from it. I'd go do something else. I'd come back. But I think that's when it really got its hooks in me, like the power of it and how exciting it was. Mm-hmm. And... uh what the characters represented. And then, you know, I could have outgrown it, but I lived in a town that had a really cool comic book store in Citrus Heights, California. It was called Comics Comics. The second comics was with an X because mm. they had underground stuff and indie stuff, which is that that's what that means. Mm. Not sexy stuff. Well, that too. <laughs> oh, okay. That's where my and mind I, went. I, you know, me, me too, because we're <laughs> monsters. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, I remember going there as a kid and getting my normal stuff, but then I could see the little indie areas where they had heavy metal magazines and European mm-hmm. stuff, and you'd see, like, a boob or whatever. <laughs> just one, though. <laughs> just one, very tasteful. <laughs> but I just remember being aware of, like, oh, you can grow with this. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't just, like, little kid stuff. Yeah. And so then as I got older, um, I do think I had, I, I think being a, a good artist or designer, a, the biggest part is having good taste, and I don't think you can really teach that. Mm-hmm. My dad did take me to, when I say adult, I don't mean porno movies, but I mean very little. We went to adult movies. We discussed film. Like I wasn't brought up in a world where kids weren't expected to think about things mm-hmm. or he was very self-aware and he taught wanted me to be self-aware. So I think he kind of gifted me some good taste too. Um, we had, I just rewatched Cheers recently because mm-hmm. it was just a go to sleep comfort food. Mm-hmm. When that show first started, he sat there for an hour one night telling me why Cheers was good. Wow. Because <laughs> no one watched it, but he was discussing the writing and what was going on, this 
dynamic and he would get into this whole, oh, this show is so good. And he would talk about it. And I can remember sitting there going like, I guess it's all right. Whatever. <laughs> the, fat sure, guy, the fat guy by the bar is funny. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the, I had this, uh, I think I had a, I was gifted with pretty decent taste in that area where I could mm. see, Oh, that looks interesting. What's that? So I was probably 10 years old and reading things that were probably aimed more for teenagers or young adults, but I really mm -hmm. liked it. And then I was lucky in that regard, as far as maintaining a relationship with comics that the eighties were a great time for comics. There was a lot of innovation. The big two companies were introducing European sensibilities. Um, Alan Moore, that's when he started his career, yeah. British comic book writers, mm -hmm. uh, the Frank Miller stuff. There was all these great things happening. So if you were a teenager, an artsy teenager with good taste in comics, you were getting fed great stuff. So, so then you're just done. Like, this is it. And that's all I thought about. I would go to school and fill up trapper keepers with badly drawn comic books. Um, my dream at that age was I wanted to be John Byrne, who was like this big star artist at Marvel. Mm. So I had all these runs of Marvel characters or forgotten Marvel characters and these trapper keepers I was going to bring back when I took over Marvel Comics. Mm. Um, but anyway, it's then over time that's turned into more like indie stuff. That's really what I like now is the art form. But anyway, I don't know. It's just it's always been a part of my life, and then I think good timing. You know, if I would have been born now, I probably the art form is great, but it's mm -hmm. just hard to get exposed to it. Yeah, yeah. And it's part of my life now is trying to find ways to have a dialogue about it with people, with our show, and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I can't remember. It's hard to remember a time where I wasn't obsessed with them. Yeah. Do you uh, do you still keep up with? comics like mo more modern stuff yeah or? I, indie stuff i it's my one real vice mm -hmm. like i buy a lot of books and yeah. comics and art books and uh i've had a really crazy couple of years i'm not reading the way i used to because i usually hit bed and i'm just like exhausted or wanting to watch cheers and i was think. like don't lie to us you said you're watching cheers. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um yeah it's it's a i'll never stop buying comics i don't really buy comics where Thor's punching something anymore. Mm -hmm. It's art comics and stuff like that. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that, but um, it definitely, I consider that more of a guilty pleasure. Like it's, it's like you wouldn't say that, uh, well, there's not a great analogy. There's great sitcoms out there too, but, but back in the day you would have said it's the difference between, you know, a great movie yeah. and a cheaply made sitcom. Mm -hmm. You know, you might enjoy it, but you don't consider it the same. There's like the popcorn stuff and yeah. then the, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I really like finding indie stuff or things that are made by someone no one's heard of. Mm. You find their store on Store Envy or something and you buy it. And uh, comics right now, it's not booming commercially, but as far as content, there's amazing stuff. Oh, there's yeah. all kinds of artists out there doing incredible things. You can find pockets of these artists in different cities where they have studios they share. And I'll tell you, the self-published sort of indie things the ratio of good stuff flips dramatically towards women when you mm -hmm. start looking around there because um, you're not dealing with people who are like, I couldn't get a job at Marvel drawing veiny arms, so I'm going to make <laughs> this comic about a veiny arm thing. Like, right. like you get people who are artists and they want to do something interesting yeah. and it's storytelling. And you, um, you just see this amazing voices out there all over. And that's what makes it an amazing art form is it's so accessible. It can mm. be anything. So to an American, you say comics and they think, well, you're discussing superheroes. Mm -hmm. And that's what has dominated the culture um, in that medium. But that's not what it is yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a lot of power in it. The problem is they're really hard to, 
to make artistically. They take a long time. Yeah. And we're a very impatient culture. It wants to consume media like we're chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's great stuff out there if you'll find it, support it. And a lot of times it's less than getting a biscuit and a coffee at a coffee shop. So um, like considering all these kind of the modern advancement in comics and kind of the evolution of it, but your style is very much what you grew up with. Uh, the Jack Kirby kind of Bronze Age, Will, yeah. Will Eisner stuff. Um, is that like a nostalgic thing for you? Has that always been your style because that's when you started? Yeah, it's... Uh it's weird. The whole style thing's weird for me because I didn't get to go do what I wanted. I got off working in comics mm-hmm. and I was, I was, I wasn't, I'm 46. I wasn't going to get married until I was about the age I am now. I'd, I've told people that since I was 10. Right. Cause I was going to be an artist. I was mm-hmm. very focused on that. And then I met my wife and fell in love and got married super young at the opposite. Right. And so, um, and that's wonderful. I'm not complaining at all, but it changed my career trajectory because I couldn't just be a, self-centered artist and go, I'm going to move to Seattle for a few years. Like it, I had a family. And so, um, I always had to work and, and develop a career. And then these things were sort of off to the side. So I had jobs where I got to draw and then I was always good at being versatile and mimicking things. And that's an, a, mm. a great skill set to have if you're doing creative work. Yeah. Um, but personally it stinks because it makes you feel a little, uh, creatively schizophrenic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're like, like, what's my style? Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, I guess I could draw this like uh, Noah and do a, you know, or so now you live in a right. day and age where you <clears throat> see things constantly. And if you're not careful, that makes me feel a little weird. Like maybe I should draw it like this. Or draw yes. It. You know, it's kind of odd to get your brain out of that mode and be mm-hmm. kind of selfish. Like I don't care how they drew it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I always had a graphic design career that was, that was doing well. But then at that time, at least my graphic design career, the better it was doing, the worse my personal artistic career was going yep. Yep. and it was a real um panic moment i was in my early 30s and i mid 30s and i had a good job and were great people but it wasn't pushing me creatively the way i needed to go mm-hmm. and i just felt panicked like i could sit here and be comfortable long term mm. but i think i'm gonna freak out like i'm gonna wake up and go you just quit doing this like i would sit down to draw and i mean i felt like i didn't know how to draw anymore yeah so forget style it was just like i didn't feel I knew how to do anything Mm. and it was very upsetting and then around that time an opportunity um, came to move to Fayetteville with a business and uh, part of the reason we moved was I was desperate to change and get in some environment that would help me and then uh, obviously Fayetteville has a really good creative community Mm -hmm. and for the size of the town it's it's pretty dense Mm -hmm. with creative stuff going on and in hindsight, I feel really foolish. I didn't think of it sooner. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, my relationship with Fayetteville before we moved was like, I'll go to a football game once in a while. Yeah. I never even really had a thought about it. It's like, we could have moved up here before. I just think I was, I don't think I was taking the initiative in my life that well. I think I was sort of just going, well, this is what I do. And I'm doing this now. And um, I, at one point even thought about opening up a little, I knew someone that had a, I'd heard about someone that had a, uh, wasn't Kinko's, but it's like a little print shop thing like that. Mm. Like maybe I should just do that. <laughs> I, I think, man, I would have been, I probably would have eaten a bullet or something. And been yeah. like, <laughs> like, well, I just run this Kinko's now. Right. I'm like, I'd be the sad guy behind the counter, like, yeah, I can get your copies for you. <laughs> um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but it wouldn't make me very sad. Sure. But um, anyway, we moved up here for that. And really the town's as much of what we moved up for as anything. Um, I remember very clearly one day, 
we were just scouting out the area and we drove down the street by the library mm-hmm. and I went, Holy crap. That's, that's their library for a town this size. Yeah. Like, yeah, like to me, that's a crazy. big mission. That's a big value statement. It's yeah. Like they put a big flag in the ground. They said, yes, this is what we're into is being smart, having stuff for the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, nice architecture. It's sort of like, Whoa, that's something else. Mm-hmm. And then, then we found it. We went up to the square and we saw the old art underground and then we, Saw, heard about the bike trails and mm-hmm. I'm not a biking enthusiast, but I, I like living in a place that values things to actually make you want to live here. It's yeah. a mm-hmm. crazy idea, <laughs> but, um, that, but that kind of sold me. And then, um, honestly, the community that I've been lucky enough to have and the friends and the peers and everything, that's really changed me a lot. So I don't know what I would have done without that. So it really means a lot to me, but mm-hmm. the question of style was more about a job would come across my desk in a typical gig and it was like I'd either didn't require drawing at all and I would just force feed drawing into it to have an excuse yeah or um they would need a thing a certain way so you would just kind of pick your spots to try and figure it out but it's like you were never getting much progress and then uh one of the biggest things for me that helped this whole issue was just um fear and sort of need so when I went out on my own, this was almost 10 years ago and did start a big bot. Um, I was still doing things that way quite a bit, but the issue of like figuring out my own personal creative point of view became a lot more paramount. And a lot of that was intuition In hindsight. I think it's smart because it, especially now there's so many people that are a quote graphic designer or graphic artist. And there's so many tools out there that um, you really don't have to be that talented to be a decent graphic designer. Yeah. You really don't. You just can read some blogs on color trends and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of cheats for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. That's not saying that you're not talented if you're a graphic designer, but it really behooves you now to have more tools in that toolbox, have an identity. Like there's a lot more that goes into it. And um, so that wasn't done with that in mind, but in hindsight, that was wise. But really, it was just done by me feeling desperate. Like, I've got to start figuring this out. Mm. And so I started doing that. And then I started seeing results coming in where I was getting rewarded for that. Like, well, you're doing better because people understand what you bring to the table. You're not yeah. just – because I was really good. At, I could be whatever you want. And I've done I've done work that you wouldn't recognize as mine all over the place. Sure. Um, but the, the goal is to hopefully do more and more things that someone would go, I know that's – chat or it's a big bot thing yeah um so style still bends a little Mm. um there are commercial things i do where i'll kind of one drawing technique i like so i'll sort of emulate woodblock printing and draw kind of graphically i like that stuff a lot um i have a few little styles i'll kind of flip around on but i i kind of want to not do that any more than i have to Mm. and when it comes to comics uh especially more heroic things or I do like that pulpy feel. Right. That idea yeah. that it feels like something that looks like it came out of a 70s science fiction magazine or yeah. something. But then um, I want to do a lot of memoir comics, a lot of mm. things about my dad or just normal people. And so um, I'm kind of figuring out how I want to address that and that on those projects. So the style will probably yeah. morph. Sure. A yeah. Bit. Yeah. Um, right now I'm just in a phase where, you know, when I'm working on things for other people, per clients that pays most of my bills. So then when I get time to work on my own things, I don't necessarily um, have the time to put the out, to create the output of work that I want right now. Yeah. It feels to me like I'm barely getting anything done. Mm. Um, 
So you're not going to see like a wide stretch of styles right now because right. it's just like, well, I'm trying to finish out this thing and yeah. get it done. But but I think when it comes to heroic stuff, that's kind of what I feel like is my style. Like I, I gotcha. lean into that stuff there. Yeah. Um, but this changes all the time. You're an illustrator, so yeah. you can appreciate this. I'm working on a map project right now. And it's basically just drawing like a downtown square. And it's, well, it's Fayetteville's downtown. Uh-huh. And I don't like drawing tiny little buildings. And I don't like drawing a lot of buildings at all, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> but um, Backgrounds. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but it, it presented a real, a common pr- thread in my life is that I think people that don't do this assume I'm just like rolling around and know exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't at all. Um, I'm a lot better at it than I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah. But then the scope of the, the challenges I'm taking on are probably harder too. And I hate, I just, for the last two days, have been in a real funk because I didn't know how to draw this properly. Mm. And it was making me feel like such an asshole. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like I've been doing this forever. Yeah. I should know how to do this. Yeah. Like, I really get angry and are depressed, not angry. But um, it, you have to be very analytical. So I just sit there and go, okay, I don't have much real estate for rendering or anything. So I've got to get that out. You know, I, I can't draw it. At one point, I was going to try and do it so it looked kind of like a woodblock look where they were very simplified and cut out, but then that was obscuring too much. Yeah. So I couldn't keep drawing this thing over and over again. Like, you have to eventually just go, um, I'm, I've, I give up. I'm mm-hmm. going to do this in a way that I think yep. works fine. And then usually what happens, six months later, you'll look at it and you just go, oh, good. Well, I don't remember being mad about that. or being. It's very neurotic. Yeah. And I have this pattern in my life of hating something, being frustrated, giving up, just getting it done. And then a year later or something, find it, and I can almost evaluate it as though you did it. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, oh, that looks good. Right. Because like my own stink is off. Yeah, of no, absolutely. <laughs> it's a weird thing. Yeah. And if I if I could do that old uh, question of like, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, I'd still probably pick flying. <laughs> right. But but a second runner up would be uh, to be objective about my work mm. and to like my work more. Yeah. I don't mean like it like I'm awesome. Right. People that say that are not awesome. They yes. suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to be self-critical to get better at anything. But to be able to be, to see it clearly and go, oh, that works, and just do it. Not have all the wasted energy and time and the angst of like, I mean, legit, like laying in bed, not being able to sleep. You're yeah, like, I, I needed that done yesterday, and yeah. I'm redrawing it again. Yeah, mm-hmm. And there's a million buildings on it, and I, I can't redraw it five times because I'll kill myself. Yeah, Like you're laying in bed just like, this is this is fucked up. I can't, yeah. <laughs> this is my living? I can't do this for a living. I can mm-hmm. just go crazy. Mm-hmm. And if I could eliminate that, well, that'd be such a delight if there was a pill. Mm. I'd be a drug addict if they could yeah. give you that pill. And you're like, but it's gonna like be really addictive. But I don't care. I'm taking that shit, <laughs> right? Because that's that's a real struggle. For oh creative yeah, creative people. It's awful. Well, and I yeah, I totally get it. And it's really funny because like our trajectories to get to that point were very similar. Like mine's on the smaller timeline, but I was drawing. That's from, a polite way of saying I'm. Yeah, old. you're old. Yes. Um, nice, Noah. <laughs> um, Go back yeah, to where you came yeah, from, Frenchie. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about myself. And where I were make... you in WW two? <laughs> That's right. Huh? Were you down there hiding underneath your bed, crying for mommy? Do you speak German? I was. You're I, welcome. I was ironing my white flag. Um, <laughs> No, but I was drawing very young and then did that. And that's all I wanted to do. And then when I got older, I was like, oh, graphic design. That's the thing to do. Mm -hmm. It seems it's accessible. 
uh, it seemed more lucrative than, <laughs> than drawing. Um, and then eventually it became saturated. And so it's like, oh, well, you kind of have to have these other skills. And then, but because I'd, I'd settled into graphic design and it was easier for me, um, I was like, just not paying attention to my, you know, fine art stuff and, and yeah. drawing and all that stuff. And so, like you said, eventually you're like, do I still know how to do this? Mm -hmm. I used to, like, I don't think I, if I were to try to do it now, I don't think it would be as good as when I stopped doing it. And, um, and so that's why when Kyle and I met up and we were like, Hey, let's do a comic book. I was like, yes, good. Like I need something to, you mm -hmm. know, constantly be working on. But then I ran into exact same problems where I was like, I had the things I knew I could do. And then a new problem would kept being introduced, like, you know, drawing buildings and backgrounds. And it's funny because our first comic project that we started on is the first page is a splash page of buildings <laughs> yeah, them walking into a town <laughs> yeah and so there's you know and it's like a vantage point you're on the street level and so there's buildings and there's perspective and all these things and i was like i can do perspective but buildings and so i had to like you know learn this new thing and then i was like it kind of knocks your ego down where yeah. you're like man i do not know a lot of but it this. really does those details are what make it Good or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then when when you're done, you're like, man, I'm glad I put in the effort because otherwise it would have been awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, is, uh, it is a weird thing to be passionate about comics. Mm -hmm. It's so much work and so little, little reward. Yes. But I honestly feel like um, there are certain things I want to get done before I'm dead. And if I don't, I'll, I'll feel like my life was kind of messed yep. up because it mattered so much to me. Yeah. And I have a, a wonderful wife and kids. Mm-hmm. I have a wonderful life. I have amazing friends. Like I'm really, I'm. You don't have to brag about it. <laughs> well, I'm very lonely. This, this is my gratitude to you. <laughs> I, I have people in my life that I was so lonely growing up and so alone. And my dad was sort of a tortured guy. He's a little mm -hmm. broken in some ways, but it's just us. And I used to dream about, like I'd read about some Chester Brown or somebody in the, that group of cartoonists. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Seattle, I believe it was, and just saying like, oh, what would it be like to be have two or three people that were understood this? And, you know, you just read these scenes, like, you know, Frank Miller being friends with Bill Sienkiewicz or whatever in the 80s in New York. And I have that. I have all these amazing, talented people around me mm -hmm. that are also my friends. And that's really awesome. Like, it's something I, I dreamed about. So um, I'm very thankful for it. So I have all these things to be thankful for. But I'm also perpetually upset that I haven't gotten these projects done yeah. because it's so hard to make a living yeah. that I'm chasing money constantly. But then the more I do my own work, when I go to shows and sell things, I make more. And so that's it's that thing of like, well, you have to, if you got two or three of these books done, you're going to have an excuse to go to more shows and sell right. them. Yep. Um, you know, and then it will help. And throughout my career, that's been the case is the more I've done lean into my own work, I get bigger and better projects that come up because you're not just another person that can do a thing. Mm. Like it's yeah. a specific identity that they're looking for. Yeah. That is a bit of a trap because they'll say, well, your style's doing this. Uh, like the last few years have been doing neon, like black light looking stuff. Cause I'm the world's depressing. So I'm wanting <laughs> to do bright stuff. <laughs> but to someone who's only known my work for a couple of years ago, oh, you're the guy that does uh fl fluorescent comic booky stuff. Yeah. I go, well, I do a lot of things. Like yeah. I don't, just do that. Yeah. Um, so there's that weird impulse you get to want to flex and go, hey, man, I can do other stuff. Mm -hmm. and, um, 
but you know, people don't need to know that. that. That's a trick I'm not great at. It's like they're really, they're really good artists I follow that I know they're super talented and they can do a million things, but they're surgical with what they're showing you. Yeah. And I think there's value to that. I mean, it's not like an absolute, like everyone should do it, but I'm just a very open book and mm-hmm. I feel very comfortable just being myself yeah. and just lean into just being very, here's what I'm working on. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Or I'm, uh, you know, debating becoming a heroin addict or just, <laughs> sure, what, whatever. Yeah. Just talk about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. Um, no, but uh, but I just mean that's more my personality. I I, I would not do well with that because eventually I've just I'm going to blurt out everything I'm thinking. <laughs> and I mean I want to do memoir comics where I just talk about you know my dad being gay and in the closet most of his life, mm. and being in hell, mm. stuff like that. So I so I'm not afraid to get personal. Yeah. Things. Um, or talk about things that are bothering me. But um, that is, uh, a, from a commercial point of view, a real value in that, to be very specific about, yes. well, I'm going to get called to do these jobs because when they come to my feed, they just see this stuff. But, you know, people also are a lot more um, savvy about all of this now than ever before, too. So yeah. I think most people can go through my feed and go, Oh, okay. I see he draws a lot of stuff with line art. You know, people figure it out. Yeah. And they can the yeah, the the mental filters have changed along yeah, with the the with the creators where it's like you know what's behind the scenes, you know what's actually being presented. Yeah. Something that we've been kind of struggling with where mm-hmm. we're like, how much how much do we reveal up front, especially if the thing's not going to be done for a long time? Yeah. Um, and then you get asked about it and you're like, well, that's actually, I'm working on something else. And then it's like, oh, well, this person doesn't really get things done. I think there's a real trap there too, of like people will start coming at you with all this sort of marketing lingo or, um, well, you know, if you don't have four of those issues done, you're losing a chance for an extra sale. They may read that one and want to buy four more and you drop like, uh, there might be some truth in a lot of those tips people give you or. But also there's something to be said for following your own artistic muse and your own intuition. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you, um, there's lots of things that are successful yeah. that have a lot of different ways of getting to that success. Mm. And people always want to reverse engineer things and go, see, if you done like so-and-so did, you would have got, it's like, okay, but that, that doesn't, that's not necessarily relevant or who cares. Yeah. Or, I'm also not that person. I'm not that so. person. Yeah. And uh, if you're doing something creative, that's part of it. You're following your own sort of intuition on this stuff. Yeah. And I think that's, um, for, for me at least, that's a lesson I wish I'd listened to sooner. Mm-hmm. Like I think you mentioned earlier about going back in time, didn't you? I imagine I that. I don't know. Yeah, you Does were Does anyone like... else smell burning toast? <laughs> that's right. Are you guys gaslighting me right now? I didn't say that. I think I'm just imagining you guys mentioned that. I swear to God. <laughs> you said if you could go back in time, you, or if you could go, you know, travel to any point no, no, in time. No, no, no. You oh, said that. Oh, any point in time. No. Yeah. So my head, I made it about myself. If I go that's back right. time and talk to myself. That's right. Because I'm a sick, narcissistic <laughs> asshole. So I immediately went to like, I wouldn't go kill Hitler. and be like, hey, kid, um, draw, work on drawing hands sooner or something. <laughs> Um, no, yeah. uh, <laughs> Hey, that's a, that's a low consequence kind of like ambition, I think for time travel. Cause I honestly, everyone's like, you're going to kill Hitler. I'm like, no, no you're not no. a liar. <laughs> you're going to go back yeah. to your neighborhood when you were 10 Yeah, and I'm going to walk around and remember what it was like to be 10 yeah. and not know how screwed up my family was and how upset everybody was. I'm just yeah. going to walk around and revel and like the innocence of it or something. I'm not going to go back and kill Hitler. And maybe yeah. just that butterfly effect itself will kill Hitler. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. somehow. Going yeah. back to 1982. <laughs> um, just going to the movies, man. All my favorite movies. I, 82 to like 85. Oh, yeah. My summers were watching everything now people are into. I'm like, we just went and saw that shit all the time. Yeah. 
Um, Stranger Things to me is like watching those kids are like the age I was at that time. I was actually so going to ask you I'm about like, Holy Stranger shit. Things. Like, and they're yeah. dead on. They do a good job with all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the I think for me at least, it's funny how um, when I around the time I went out to do Big Bot and I was frustrated and I didn't have an identity and wah wah wah. Um, a big thing was just trying to reconnect with like what I'd known since I was a little kid, like what I was into. Mm. I knew all along, but you just quit listening. Yeah. And that was a big thing just to go, well, I should just do this. And then people would respond to it and you go, oh, okay. And then you just don't feel so dumb. Yeah. And it's just someone coming out and going, this has merit. You go, oh, thanks. And then mm-hmm. before long, you just kind of get momentum going. And it was just little things like starting up a sketchbook. Mm. I'd gotten lazy about just working and not working on the work. I'd start sketchbooks and I'd draw, I'd start drawing all the time in sketchbooks. And then all of a sudden you're kind of like issues of I uh, style start going away Yeah, because um, you're just drawing so much. It kind of solves itself. And you're like, well, it's just how I approach this. Yes. Instead of you being self-conscious about style. Yeah. And then you start realizing um, the beauty of, well, your tools and what you're working with define style. That's just mm. a question of approach. Or, mm-hmm. So then you start realizing like, well, when I use this tool, it makes me kind of draw like this. And so that's kind of how I approach drawing sometimes. It's like, well, if I get this out, it's going to make me think this way. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I've resisted going to digital because mm. there's so many things that have made me feel warm and sort of connected to a drawing that are physical. I know you can replicate that or emulate it very accurately digitally. I've seen digital stuff that looks totally organic. Yeah, I'm not against it. But for me, it feels like I'm starting over mm. and I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> But there are definitely advantages. Like that project with the buildings, I could have just built all that in vector and just done some drawing on it. That yeah. would have been smarter, but, but I also th- suspect it would have looked a little more processed yeah. no matter what I did. And so, um, I don't know. I, my, in my intuitions, like we all have enough perfect. I mean, there's an app that can make you look like an old man, <laughs> right? <laughs> like it's not that magical anymore. It's more magical to just like, yeah, the app can make you look like an old man and steal your identity for the Russians. Like, <laughs> yes. So, so there's a charm in something that just looks like it was drawn by hand and it's yeah. human and alive. And so I don't know. Part of me doesn't really have a problem with that either. Yeah. It's like it's okay if I'm the old man. He's like, you kids and your pads. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna draw on paper the way God intended. <laughs> and I kind of like the idea that my kids someday will have a box of shit they have to. I, I kind of yeah, li- no. like the artifact. I like the yeah, fact the physicality of it. And gonna, yeah. Oh, I said, I remember at time that dad did that or like finding mm-hmm. sketchbooks. I've mm-hmm. got a sketch. I had both my parents in the last year die. Hey, everybody, you want to get sad? <laughs> my dead parents. Um, so I have a sketchbook that I started that's just about me reflecting on it and kind of like a journal. And then I draw on it a little too. Mm. Um, it's it's something like if there were a fire, I'd want to go grab it. Like I think someday my daughter right. would really value it. So, uh, I kind of like that little relationship with your little sketchbooks and stuff. Yeah. It makes me feel creative or artistic. Mm. Yeah. No. Anyway, um, I don't remember what you asked. That's my answer. <laughs> I didn't ask. Noah asked. What did I ask? You asked style. about his style. Or no, you asked. No, <laughs> you did. Oh, we're gaslighting. Okay, is, I asked. This is classic Chad. <laughs> classic Chad. 20-minute answers make no sense. <laughs> this is, is going to be five episodes, guys. I'm sorry. There's a lot of... Forgive me, but also I won't apologize. Tasty things that you said. Um, and it sucks because it just, there's so much that you can't stop and interject. But I remember yeah. there's two things that I want to address as you hydrate yourself. Uh, they don't one, have to know that. 
No, I want them to picture the water glistening down <laughs> his neck as um, you guys he just know poured it. an entire bottle on his head. We do this podcast totally nude. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. right. And they have a bucket over my head. Right. And when I want to get water, I have to mm-hmm. turn my mic off and yeah. dump it on myself flash dance style. It's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. just whatever you can get. Because I don't look like Jennifer Beals, so it's just yeah. like a hairy middle-aged dude like, <laughs> dumping water on himself. Yeah. It's kind of a... I don't know. They they I made think me it's do special. It. And right. there's someone in the corner with a well, gag in their mouth, specifically an apple. That's right. <laughs> but since we turn off the AC, that's the only way to cool off is just to dump the bucket of water. That's right. And this is my place of work, and so you know I've gotten some weird eyes, you know, walking right. by. They're like, "Huh, sex thing." All right. <laughs> Employers are really cool, man. They're, yeah. they're really easy going. Yes, yes they're, they're open minded. 2019. No, they're French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't understand a lick of English. No. Um, the two things being first talking about like gratitude, just again, that's kind of something that I feel like I can identify with. I was talking with my sister about this is that it's like you can have all these awesome things in your life and it's good to make yourself aware again, to have some <laughs> sense of your, your place in the world. And again, like thinking about in times before how we're really lucky to, to be now, especially like uh, for, you know, Noah and I, you know, growing up a little bit later, you know, uh, but all that to say, it's it is that artist thing where it's like you can have a great family, great friends, great support. But if you're not able to do what you love, mm-hmm. it can get to you. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, you should be happy. And it's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> what is happiness? <laughs> I, I felt so many years I uh, was paying dues and doing things that didn't scratch in a creative itch. Mm-hmm. That now that I get to do that, I don't want to give it up. Yeah, there are times I'm broke and I'm stressed or whatever. And uh, I could go out and shift my career and make a good living. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I could go do other things. and uh, But I don't know if I can make myself do it. Like, yeah. I definitely could work with someone. or It's not like I'll never have a job again. Mm-hmm. But it had to be something that were the right fit for me or made me, allowed me to do what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It's just tricky. I, I think part of that's the... Um, I've never had, I have no entitlement from my background at mm-hmm. all, um, other than just being white and named Chad. Um, <laughs> right. And a, you know, really dropped the ball. And a boy. On that Technically, one. I'm a boy. Um, <laughs> but, but, a boy. <laughs> I feel, I do feel like I'm a boy. I'm 46, but deep down, I feel like I'm still like a, I'm a 46-year-old boy. Like, okay. I feel like, like it takes a little bit of that to be into what we're into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it, but it, but I think I paid so many dues or went so long without getting that sense of fulfillment that it's like, I'm no, I don't want to do that now. Yeah. I don't want to do that thing. I know I'll hate or, you know, uh, I think about mortality a lot. And last year has, uh, been a lot of that because both my parents died. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but I think about that anyway, like I was just took the artist ink course, which is a, a great course for artists. It kind of helps you, think about your artistic practice like you're a business. And a lot of that I was already doing, but it, but it was a good reframe and a good tightening the belt exercise. And one of the first things I had us do is write an obituary for ourselves. In my small group, I feel like everybody was pretty uncomfortable doing that but me. I was mm. like, I think about this constantly. Yeah. I don't know why. You, yeah. This is weird to you. <laughs> I have it typed up already. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I think about like the things I want to have accomplished all the time yeah. and I yeah. get panicked about it. Like yeah. I have issues with anxiety and stuff and it's like, I get anxious over that stuff. So there are things I've wasted energy doing because it made me, it gave me some value or made me feel good or whatever. 
but none of those things were on that list. Mm. And the things were on that list have probably been on my list for most of my life. Yeah. Other than the personal things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't want to go backwards. I want to feel like I'm going forwards all the time. So mm-hmm. if a job or something came up and I went, oh, this feels like I'm moving forward. I totally want to I'd do that, of course. Mm-hmm. But there are so many things I look at and I'll go, oh, I just, I think I'd do it six months and scream, you know, scream at everybody and go, this is stupid. And just walk yeah, out yeah. Or, why God or something. Yeah. I just wouldn't, don't think I would take it well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I want to feel creatively challenged and stimulated and, uh, I don't want to fuck like a robot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, job. you are a big bot. I am a big that's bot, right. but I'm self-programmed. Yeah. It's funny that that's like my artistic, like little moniker. Cause that was just a name for a little comic book idea that a friend of mine and I worked together. We would bullshit about at work. And then when I went out, I just went, well, I don't want to call it Chad design stuff. <laughs> so I just thought, well, robots are cool. And yeah. I can just make a little, and it just, it was weird enough. That it's two words that aren't we- weird on their own, but put together. It's like, well, it's weird enough. You go, what's that? Or you'd stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, um, as a designer, I liked the fact that it was three letter, two words that were three letters each. Mm-hmm. So you could stack them and move them. And nice. I don't like names where it's like a million letters and this is three. And you're like, yeah. I'm going to move this around all the time. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a graphic design problem. But it's funny to think that that's, I definitely didn't put the thought. In, it wasn't like I was going like, I'm going to call all my stuff forever. Big bot design. Like it was not thought out at all it was just a random thing i wanted to call it something that wasn't you know big guy designs things or whatever (laughs) but um (laughs) anyway the developing yourself and figuring all that stuff out is an ongoing process and if i ever figure it out i'll you won't be the first i'll tell but i'll put you in my (laughs) top top 50 top 50 (laughs) i think that's something i would tell myself too to lean into it just go well you're never gonna know yeah like that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. You're gonna figure it out and do new things. Yeah, because if you stop learning, then there's no point. Yeah. Well, just to have some like pleasure in it. Like I've always been good at whipping myself and getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because deep down I did not like myself and I was mm. not happy with myself. And I was in an environment that sort of encouraged that thinking. And it's been a process in my life to try and learn some of that. To go, well, you have to learn to enjoy some things and go, Oh, I'm proud of that. That turned out good, or take some pleasure in it. Because mm-hmm. I it might depress people if they knew how little pleasure I take in anything I do. Right. <laughs> like there are things I've done that have gone well and I'm just sort of like, yeah, I'm just seeing everything that's wrong with it or I'm yeah. like mad. And it's like, it's really not healthy. You have to like enjoy things a little. Yeah. That's no, where I, that, that superpower comes in. i being objective. <laughs> that pill, man. If yeah. you're like a, I, I'm don't like needles. I would shoot up with it. No, yeah. I'd be like shooting in my toes, doing my cracks in my toes, and <laughs> oh, find you're, you in an you're alley. Fami- like you're not familiar again. with the technique. <laughs> well, I, I watch movies. That's right. But I, I and would, do heroin. And do heroin. <laughs> but yeah, I would be like, you know, I got to get that hit, man. I've been yeah. hitting myself this week. I was just doing something. <laughs> well, I just like the idea of more of it again being like a superpower to where the X Men like are like, what do you do? And you're just like self love. <laughs> I'm, I'm super cocky. You're, yeah. yeah. I think that's like half the guys on the internet right now. They're just like, they sh- they're sure they're right all the time. I think they have that superpower already. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the cocky, cocky guy. Yeah. Not what we want. Um, <laughs> but the other thing, oh, I guess to go back to gratitude again, is that just relating to it of that weird balance of pushing yourself, having that whip, as you said, but then also enjoying moments. Because my sister and I talked about this because we both 
talked about how we just would consume happiness. That's what I like said mm. to her initially. It was, it was like something good happens. That's called heroin. And I, yeah, <laughs> I was right there. You were showing me how to do it. Uh, this podcast is me gonna be me revealing that I'm a heroin addict. <laughs> Us <laughs> revealing that we're heroin addicts. Um, but it's like I, I realized something in myself is that I, I felt owed happiness after like a lot of things not going my way in life I felt you know and so it's like when something good would happen it was like oh yes of course good that's right life thank yeah. you yeah now more like just like <laughs> this like spoiled kid mm-hmm. who doesn't realize he's spoiled he feel like he's owed stuff so um you know I, I I'm trying to get better at that as well of being like that was fun you know even if mm-hmm. it's like however big or small like with this podcast and stuff like that's been it too where like after an interview i'm like oh i, I was stupid and i asked dumb questions <laughs> i don't think they liked me and noah uh, he's, uh, what? he's french and he's sexy and i'm not <laughs> you know um a lot of stuff just being french just makes that's, like yeah uh, that's the worst he's so foreign no one wants this white ecuadorian i'm from ecuador that's why i said that um but so you're both not from here yes, yes. uh yes but god this country's going but no hell. one believes me when i say it they're like, oh, immigrants. Yeah. why don't you both go back and to you're trapped you in from. here with us <laughs> two foreigners i don't i don't mean that i'm kidding <laughs> um the other thing in, in what you said is that I think sometimes today people get punished for being eclectic mm-hmm. with their taste. And I find that for myself where depending on who I'm talking to, people know me for different things. And so beyond mediums, if I, you know, sometimes people will know me for like my, what they call sad boy stuff where they're like, Oh, Kyle's got his angsty, dark, depressing stuff yeah. to where I'm like, I have an idea for romantic comedy. They're like, Oh, what? That's stupid. What's wrong with you? Or if people know me for, more my humor, my light stuff. Then I'm like, here's my existential yeah. demon thing. They're like, oh, what? And so I think that it's it's like people are vast. You know, right. they, I, I, one of the things I quote too much is Walt Whitman. I am large. I contain multitudes. I will not apologize, Noah. Anyway, <laughs> but I think people are that way to where it's right. like back in the day, it was like, you're a jock. You're a cheerleader mm. and no. you're a nerd. And now it's like, I like kayaking. I'm into computer science. I watch, you know, French films. That's for you, Noah. Thank and you. I do all these things. I don't have to be boiled down to just being a comic person. I can like comics Except and exercise. All, yeah. all he is is French. He, he eats baguettes. <laughs> His wallpaper is the Eiffel Tower. He's a big fan of escargot. I was going to keep going. We watched so much. I was, don't know why I even came over here again. <laughs> So Sorry. damn great. <laughs> <laughs> so all to say, I thought I found that interesting in reference to your style of being like, oh, you just do the comic booky stuff. We're yeah. like, well, I like other things too. No, um, there's a lot of things I've drawn different ways. It's just that, uh, you know, and if you put out something like that, it attracts more of the same, which is good because it's something you can lean into more. Mm-hmm. But um, I definitely don't intend to make comics that are just sort of like. Like, I don't even really want to make superhero comics at all. Mm-hmm. I want to make, like I said, memoirs, comics, comics about people. I do want to eventually do my Frank and Not comic, my yeah. little retro uh, horror mashup. Mm. And uh, it's probably going to be, I don't know yet, but I think I'm going to do it as one big comic, like an annual with two chapters in it. Because there's two parts of it I want to do. And then I want to make it feel like you, it's been around a long time mm. and have ads in it and stuff. But then I'm going to probably do that and not do anything ever again with it because I'm not trying to do faux 70s superhero sci-fi comics. Yeah. Right? That's not what I want to do with my life. 
Um, but it's something I would like to have to go with the prints I've made. And, and at one point I was going to make little um, art toys and little, and I still may do that, mm-hmm. but I like the idea of having this little fun, little world building exercise, but, um, but I definitely don't look at it like, Oh, you're the guy that does that pretend seventies, whatever. Like it's not, no, it's just something I had an idea for. I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the main projects I'm anxious to work on is called the myth of me. And it's a memoir comic where I just do a portrait of someone and I have a little origin story next to them just type so it's no sequential art at all and i've just got different interesting people that have come into my life that i'll interview for it and it's just a way to show you we all kind of build who we are so that we all have our own mythology so the way i use that word i'm not saying that you're a myth or you're not authentic Mm -hmm. you're not real no you're not real but you build who you are and Mm -hmm. you make conscious you make conscious and unconscious decisions about who you're going to be And so that's something that it's an important project I want to do. And I want it to look a little like a really fancy, well-made zine mm. um, and be something that comes out. I was hoping to start doing it annually. So once a year, I'd have one that comes out and it'd be people I met. So it might be the two of you. I might go, hey, I'm gonna do your, I'll do your podcast, but you have to let me make you an entry in the book. So, so it's a journal of mm. experiences I had that year. Yeah. Um, but anyway, th- there's things like that that I want to have a little um, body of work that represents storytelling and prints and illustration, not just I'm drawing things, punching one another. Yeah. But I think it's smart to like, you know, not be too all over the place to where like Noah said in the problem we had of like people being, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah. I also, I find it scary at the prospect of being put in a box where I could only do one type of thing. Like right. I love horror, but that's the only kind of stories I could tell. I'd be like, well, that sucks. Like this is a very specific punishment. Like yeah. <laughs> not the worst thing considered, but it's like we we like lots of things. And so I, th- I think that's cool that it's like you can be into that old, style but then you're like i also want to do really intimate portraits that just tell people's yeah. stories or even again like biographies talk about people's lives and stuff and I, I don't feel like when i say i want to make comics i don't feel like well i want my sole source of income like that's a really tough gig yeah these are artistic exercises for me so i want them to make money so that they have an audience and if it could become a portion of my income where i go oh, i can justify spending five months out of the year working on this book that'd be great mm-hmm. but um I don't want to be beholden to, uh, like, if you got lucky enough to become a success, well, then you can also be expected to do a certain thing and make a living at it. I'm I'm wanting to be an artist and make art with it and tell stories I like. My goal is to someday, you know, when I'm dead, there's a shelf in our house, and they go, well, he did it. This is the stuff he made, and we can enjoy it. And there's that little body of work that represents uh, what I was into creatively mm-hmm. in my life. Um and then, but a lot of that, I just like making nice images too. So I've got ideas for little art books and all sorts of stuff, but I just don't have the time or money. I need to win the lottery. Yeah. I need a rich, like French benefactor. That's right. Well, we, we've got one. <laughs> I assume anyone who's French. You well, know. well, one of those parts I'm still waiting on, but yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> But your family, Noah. <laughs> That's right. Your family owns a giant vineyard. Well, yes, but, you know, they're disappointed. <laughs> they resent me for moving over here. So. Oh, you're the black sheep of the That's family. Right. That's right. The black baguette. The black baguette. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, I'm going to limit some of my questions, Noah, just for the sake of time. So I'll just... I, I was like scrolling through. I was like, oh, boy. 
<laughs> that's but, my fault. I'm sorry. No, no. it's good. That's I mean, what it's, we want. it's all good. And that leads into my quick hour thing. And then I'll probably just wa- ask one question, Noah, and then you can finish up. Then we can go to yeah. rapid fire. But um, I, I'm happy about everything you said about comics because it was going to be my question of like, what do you tell to the person who dismisses comics? What do you tell the person who you say that you like that and they make that frown? And I feel like you did a good job just in talking about why it's interesting to you of laying out why it's good. Because I think, again, to someone who's not into it, they just think punchy, punchy superhero stuff. Mm -hmm. And while I like that stuff, I'm a big Spider-Man guy, I also go now, I I like books that end (laughs) at a certain point and, you know, remain consistent. Those were intended to be consumed by seven and eight-year-old kids and every few years it would cycle over to a new audience. They're like daytime soap operas. Yeah, Yeah. Like it just always... Continues. It didn't need to resolve for no, yeah. and it wasn't expected to have guys my age still reading it, going arguing about continuity. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's insane. Like it, it's not what's intended for. You're supposed to grow up and read other things. And mm. now that sounds to a nerd like you. What, you, Chad? You were one of us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to a brute, it's like, Chad. <laughs> it's a diverse art form, mm-hmm. and uh, I've I've picked up things like that. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it is intended for a certain thing, mm-hmm. not that. Mm-hmm. And the minute you make it the other thing, something that makes sense to an adult, it doesn't become the thing it was. So then it becomes Batman murdering people. And he's a psychopath and you would want him stopped. Right. Yeah. If Superman, Superman's greatest power is that he doesn't abuse his power. That's what makes him mm. wonderful. That's mm-hmm. what makes Christopher Reeve's portrayal so great. Cause he, really comes off like you go, I'd want to be friends with he's him. He's a regular guy. He's like, not, yeah. The first thing he says, he goes, I'm a friend. And mm-hmm. he just wants to let people know, hey, don't freak out. I'm cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, in real life, though, we know that power corrupts. Yeah. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. So there have been a million takes on Superman where he's a rotten piece of shit. And mm-hmm. He's raping women and going crazy. And he's a genocidal maniac. And that's probably likely... But who the hell wants to read that more than once or twice? Like, you might read it as a, oh, this is crazy. It's like if Superman were, but in yeah. real life, you go, this is a horror show. And yeah. when they made that Man of Steel movie and he was, had no regard for destruction and what he was doing and he was just sort of seemed like a douchebag, um, that's not what the character's for. The character's a childlike yeah. power fantasy or wish fulfillment. I would do the good things if I had the power. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know that's not real. So the whole point is to help you play along with it. So if you make a movie, for instance, you can make it realistic, but he's not going to be real. So if you want to read real comics, um, those are out there. There are stories about all sorts of diverse people and backgrounds. Mm -hmm. You can read fantasy, science fiction, horror. I would tell someone that says they don't like it. I'd say, well, you're allowed to like or dislike whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't argue that. But if they said, I dismiss it, I think it's garbage or it's junk. Then I would argue. I would say, yeah, well, now you're just speaking out of ignorance. Now you clearly have not examined much because there are brilliant works that are done in comics. You can go to European comics and it's very sophisticated. They're not aiming for kids. They haven't been for decades. Right. Um, in Japan and countries like that, they're just common forms of entertainment. So, um, you know, would you say Mao's is garbage? Right. Uh, you know, would you say there's millions of things that are works of art that have won mm-hmm. Pulitzer Prizes? Yeah. So if you would dismiss it, I would say, well, then you're just speaking from ignorance. You haven't looked into it enough. Mm-hmm. And then I would smack them right in the face. That's right. Yeah. I would take my 
bare hand, and I would just smack the shit out of it. <laughs> Your hand ripped from all the heroin usage, <laughs> and you just smack them in their stupid face. I go, you got a lot of nerve, you piece of shit. And I would just slap it as hard as I could. <laughs> Tell them to go back to where they came from, even if it was America. <laughs> but, it, it, but it is as an art form. Yes. It's extremely valid, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just... It, you can tell any story you can imagine in it. It's like, why don't like the stories in it? Well, maybe you just don't like reading or you don't like pictures. I don't know. But mm-hmm. there's a story out there you would like if you like to read. Yeah, there's no such thing as the comic. No. Like, it's, it's like yeah. saying, I don't like uh, movies. Yeah. And you'd go like, really? You don't like any, like, combination of words and sounds and stuff? <laughs> right. And you'd go like, nope, none of them. <laughs> and I'd go, are you crazy? Like, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then they might go like, "Well, I really I just don't like American movies." I, okay, when well, I'm right. talking, but you like you're not. It down. Yeah, but it's you know it's like if someone uh, they'll joke or someone goes, "Well, I like music," you go like, "Oh wow, do you? You like you have a human response yeah. to music like every living thing." <laughs> what a thing? statement, folks! <laughs> so it's like if someone said I didn't like music, you'd be like, "What?" So yeah, all comics are is just storytelling. You like stories, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. stories with pictures. Man, come on, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there's naked ladies. <laughs> All sorts of stuff. Sometimes. Picture folks. books, as my wife likes to call me. Yeah. <laughs> she does like doing that. Well, again, thank you for elaborate on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I would never try and argue someone into liking something they don't like. You're allowed to yeah. like whatever you like. Yeah, I want that to be clear. It's like if you don't enjoy reading or having a story to, yeah. like told that way, that's 100% fine. I, I it's will, the dismissal that I don't like. I will say I was a, I'm was a bit passive-aggressive with my show Death Ray. I do. Um, I've run a show called The Caddy Wampus Co-op for the last four years, and I started a show called Death Ray, which is an illustration expo. So it's sort of my reaction to comic book conventions that have almost no art or no connection to actually, you know, the art form. It's just yeah. about cosplay and energy drinks and mm. random whatever. Mm-hmm. I saw Ben Affleck yesterday, you know, and you're like, who gives a shit about seeing Ben Affleck? <laughs> it's not just name Ben Affleck. It's like an ex-Power Ranger. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, really? Well, whoever it depends they- on the color if I'm excited. You're yeah, just, just <laughs> stoked about, like, all right. It's whoever they could get. I'm yeah. not judging you if you want to do it, but I'm like, uh. so I want, So I wanted to do something that felt more like a little indie community yeah. art thing. And so one of the things we do is we make a comic book, and everyone who comes so far, I make them take a copy. It's mm-hmm. included in the ticket. And the point for me is you may not go home and read it or care about it, but I'm going to make you contend with it. You might, even mm. if you turn around and immediately chunk it in the trash, I might secretly hate you, but, <laughs> um, but I made you consider it. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's a chance to say, well, we're not just inviting you to buy stuff or hang out. We want to have a cultural exchange. Mm-hmm. We're having a conversation about visual storytelling. And there's amazing stuff in these comics, like Cole Closser and John Lucas and these amazing Local artists contribute things, and there's, it's amazing these little books you get. And so, and they're one page stories. Sometimes they're a pinup, so you don't even have to invest a lot of energy. Yeah, it's like, do you like p- drawings? Like most <laughs> right. people like drawings. Yeah. So, so to me, the point of the show is to say, I'm hoping we can gradually plant seeds and get people who would not consider them to consider them, and then over time to say, you know, there's that show here that does that, or if you're the version of me that might have lived here to say, well, I could go talk to them. There's artists there that do that. Maybe this is a viable thing and kind of have a community of illustration. So to sort of talk about that, make that a thing. Cause we are dense in this area mm-hmm. with talented illustrators. Oh, yeah. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of amazing talented people that at the show we had, we had about 35 of them there. And I think I, that's a fraction. There were a lot of people I knew that couldn't make it. And 
So we're very lucky. It's well, a great time. Of and the when, when we went and uh, when we walked out, I was like, I was actually really impressed with the, the ratio of good artists to size of show, you know, oh, like thanks. it was just like so consistent across the board where everyone was good. And we stopped at every booth and like looked at stuff. And, and there's yeah. a lot of, I've already got some really cool people lined up for the next show. And there's, um, I think room there to make that denser. Really? Like that's what I'd like it to be is mainly just all art. Mm. And I'm actually thinking about ways to do that. Like I, I want to make it something that's sustainable and something that has a lot of value, but I also don't want to get away from the point that's about art yeah. and the art form. Yeah. And I think there's enough people in Northwest Arkansas to support a show like that. It's just getting the message out. And yeah. Them, I intentionally don't have the word comics in the title or anything. Right. Because I don't want someone who's going to assume it's like a certain thing. Yeah. To, you know, like, like most comic book conventions, half the attendees at least are women, but you still go there and it's a very like, misanthropic dude vibe mm -hmm. or yeah. i went to wizard world tulsa a couple of years ago and there was an energy drink there a booth selling your energy drink which is annoying enough <laughs> but they had a naked woman totally naked body painted like captain america with little um things on her naughty bits but she was totally naked mm. and i'm not a prude but i'm like well just go to a strip club or whatever like that's not what this is yeah know? it's just marketing yeah it's like pandering to like sad dudes that haven't right. seen boobies before <laughs> i mean let's be honest it's, yeah. it's sad yeah. and yeah um there were these young women there who reminded me of me at that age if i'd been a young woman and they were going through comics and you could, i was kind of watching their reaction and and uh trying to do this without seeming like a creepy dude <laughs> right like watching I'm, the little girls looking yeah. at the naked like i woman. watch people all the time and I, i'm very friendly and uh but i i want to make sure i'm not going like what are you? What are you guys looking at over yeah. there? You're looking at comic books, <laughs> but in my head, I'm looking at like if I were their dad or their uncle, like right. like what's going on with them? Mm. And you could tell they were just like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, this is annoying. Yeah, mm. and it's because they're just like, this is popular now. We can make money on this, and I'm like, I don't care if it's popular or not. I kind of wish it was less popular. Right. All you jocks need to get out of my clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. Out. Mm -hmm. Like I want people who are really into it to be there. So I'd rather do a small show where there's like a thousand people that are stoked than yeah. to do some big giant thing. Yeah. And so that's the hope is to make it a little cool scene that can grow to the point that actually doesn't pay me zero dollars, which is what it does right now. But it pays me in soul points, which is good. I like that. Um, mm. But if nothing else, if I stop tomorrow, we've got these cool two little comics we made. Mm -hmm. And it's a fun little mission statement that we we made that. And so that matters a lot to me. And uh, it's not a lot of, like I said, I have this body of work I'd like to make. And so I'm barely doing anything. And a lot of times it's frustrating because I'm trying to manage all this stuff while I try to make a living, while I try to be a human being. Yeah. And then I get to my portion of the work and I'm like, well, got a deadline. I'm two days behind. You're just freaking out. And it's like... Mm -hmm. I would like to get to a point that I feel like I can invest the energy in some of these things I would like to. But at this point, I'm just trying to say, well, I got to get it done. There's a luxury in that too, having a deadline. Yeah. So, so instead of you just being precious about it, sometimes it makes you just get it done. And you might look back on it later and go, you can improve it. But you might also look back on it later and go, well, it was fine. Well, and you'll be happier that it's finished rather than yeah. still ongoing and not perfect yeah. and trying I, to get it I've done. made up pretend deadlines for myself before yeah. just to make something Get done like just happened yeah. yeah 
Oh, yeah, I wish it could be like a memento thing where like you straight up forget that you actually made it up. So you just like look on your arm and you're like, <laughs> yeah. must finish script or yeah. bullet will be put in your head. And you're like, oh, shit. And you start <laughs> typing. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, it's actually fine. Like, that, would you know. be, that would be my superpower. <laughs> fake urgency. Yeah. Just like, oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Next me like, that guy is good for getting us jacked to fight Magneto because <laughs> he <laughs> creates tension in the group. I feel like we're a millionaire and you're an eccentric millionaire and you're like, I always think about this, like how much of, of things in my life are because I didn't have a backup. Like right. You're literally like, I don't know. I got to get this shit done. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I got to get out of Cleveland, Arkansas. Oh my God. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you, you know, I always think like if I would been born rich or something, yeah. it's easy to go, oh, well, they would have sent me to art school and I would have done this. I mean, right. I want to do shit. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been true. a little douchebag just running around like, you know, like, no, oh, no, I like drawing any more slaves. <laughs> I'm getting, getting more tail with this car. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I might have been like a total piece of shit. Yeah. And I always wonder about that. Like, I've always had to work hard. So I think if I were rich tomorrow, I don't think it would change much. Yeah. I think I would just have the luxury to go, I'm only doing what I want now. But That's mm-hmm. because I'm like a, a beat up old uh baseball glove inside like i'm just like i've been through enough where i'm just like oh, i'm fuck it i'm not gonna do that stuff mm-hmm. like i definitely would not go out and buy a bunch of cars i'd probably buy a big building and put a cool studio downtown i'd be like mm. no one's gonna ever tear this down to condos yeah. i'd make some weirdo heaven <laughs> but uh, i always wonder about that like if you how much of your incentive to do things would go away because you're not driven by that yeah mm-hmm. and it's your life's much more comfortable and you don't mm-hmm. have to think about it and uh, that might be something you could do where you'd hire someone like um, uh, in Pulp Fiction, uh, Harvey Keitel's character, where you just have a version of that where you go, listen, every once in a while, I want you to show up and threaten to kill me. Yeah. And maybe kill me. I want to have that on the table. Maybe, yeah. maybe you could kill me if certain things don't get done. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They have some kind of fail safe where a guy just yeah. shows up and goes, hey, Chad, <laughs> you've been drawn in a couple of months. I'm here. You've got- yeah, no, I pay your salary. Yeah, you paid me to ignore you and you say that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. You're like, what? Hey, uh, I pay your bills. But not today, you don't, fucker. <laughs> you know, he's like, roughs no. me up, kicks me up. You told me no matter ass. how much I scream, you do not like You me. said no matter how much you scream. <laughs> and you also said that if, if in six months I come back and that book's not done, I get to cut off a knuckle on your pinky. That's right. So I'm going to be here. <laughs> and you said you said I can steal all your stuff. Yeah. I don't think I said. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you have uh, something where you just write up an agreement and all that stuff. I, I maybe yeah. you need something like that where yeah. you just hear out knocking your door and you're like, oh my god, what have I done? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just picture like bad timing, like I'm on a date or something. She's like, I had a really nice time. Some guy pops out with the knife. He's like, where's that script, bitch? And you're like, oh no. <laughs> run, Jenny, run. <laughs> This is the lamest mob ever. Yeah. They're shaking down writers. Who, who hired this guy? I think I did. What's your log line? What's your log line? <laughs> well, yeah. it, it, it is weird that that relationship with like panic and need and urgency, I like, can getting something done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you need some of that for sure. I think some of it's hardwired. I think some of that you can't teach. You sort mm-hmm. of like are a person who gets stuff done and you don't. Yeah. But, yeah. Agreed. Noah, mm. what's what's your final question? Again, Man. we have many, so we'll have to have you back someday because this is, there's so many uh, yes. wonderful well, things. But also, I, would, I would be happy to. At the same time, it's one of those things where it's like I had a lot of questions and they ended up getting answered through rabbit trails and <laughs> stuff. This so. fucking blowhard. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll talk about itself for that, two hours. Well, That's, it is a podcast interview, so don't feel bad. All right. <laughs> I know. I always have that thing of like, well, you don't want me to sit here and be yes, no. Maybe. 
No, absolutely. And and the more talking we can get from, I from don't the know. guest is, is the best. So. Yeah, the opposite of like <laughs> ask a question and like, meh, 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 meh. cool. Um, all right. All right. Uh, I thought that was so, going to last yeah. longer. Uh, <laughs> you ask me a question, I just go, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. You seem uh, to know everything. <laughs> that's right. You're the fancy, just get really aggressive. <laughs> you're the fancy pants, all the damn microphones. <laughs> Why don't you tell me everything? Oh, this has never happened before. You and your French friend here. <laughs> <just> tell me. <laughs> The whole time I'm just mad. He denounced his Frenchness, please, <laughs> sir. Yeah. So, so what's your question, Noah? Yeah. I'm wasting time. One. No, that's it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, then I might, I might sneak one in. Yeah. No, do it. Do it. You too. Chad, you mentioned, uh, and I heard you talk about it elsewhere because again, I did a whole creep session on you. Um, but that's uh, called research. Thank yeah. you. Unless uh, your pants are off, my <laughs> pants were off that's for unrelated reasons. That's a creep session. But my my hands were on the computer working, <laughs> and I was wearing whitey tighties. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, nothing sexy about it. Now I'm aroused. You talked about, you know, being an anxious person, dealing with anxiety. We, a couple, uh, back in May, we did a whole series on mental health just because, you know, I felt like it's something that for you. doesn't get talked about a lot and is kind of prevalent with a lot of artists, just you know, with creative types. And so just for you, uh, and I know this is a big question. Feel free to go as long or as short <laughs> as you want to go with Careful. it. Careful. That's right. Uh, but I'm just curious, like, what your journey has been with that and how you've gotten healthier and how you deal with it and how you, you know, you're a very, as you said, very honest person, very open. You get into the the deep stuff quickly. So just kind of having that be a part of your I life. Do. It bothers some people. And it, I'm so used to thinking that way. It bothers me that more people don't think about it. Like, mm-hmm. you'll meet people and realize they're not super self-aware or they mm. don't think about it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How could you be alive and not think about this shit? Like, mm. that's all life is, is mm-hmm. thinking about that shit. Yeah. But um, my dad was a very self-aware person. He had studied psychology. And so I was brought up in a fairly psychologically uh, aware household. He was a very emotionally intelligent person. Mm. Um, he was much more of my mother than my mother in that way. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't the father that just grunted at you. Like, my friends would come to my house be in love with my dad. And go, my dad never even talks to me. Mm-hmm. And when they had questions about life, they'd come talk to my dad. So he was that kind of person. So um, so I'm thankful for that. He was also a depression baby. He was also uh, a miserable kind of closeted gay guy in some ways. He was a, very frustrated by a lot of things in his life. I think he felt very trapped by some things like, you know, we can't have it all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you sort of get used to uh, when you're that person and he was a very – a self-contained person. Like if the apocalypse happened, he could find a bus and some books and be like, that's fine. And he would just like find some beans. Yeah. And it was kind of, it was kind of awesome in a way. Like he could be very satisfied with just like very simple things. That's something I admired about him. He wasn't materialistic at all. Mm -hmm. But that Spartanness and some of those things that were ingrained in him from his childhood also made him avoid certain things or hide from certain things or not really maybe confuse what you want with being selfish. Like that, that's something I had to figure out later in life that a certain amount of selfishness is just called appreciating your life. Mm-hmm. Like it's not selfish to say it's important to me that I get to do this. Yeah. That's not selfish. Selfish is saying, and I don't give a fuck who I hurt to do it. Right. <laughs> that's probably the selfish part. <laughs> sure. Um, but, but for me, I, with my dad and the relationship between the two of us, uh, he, for, for a man of his generation, he was incredibly self-aware and sensitive but there still was a bit of, well, that's fine for other people, but you should take care of your own shit. So, like, 
Mm. We, our family needed therapy desperately. And in hindsight, my dad did desperately. I mean, Mm. he, he needed help with a lot of things, but it's sort of that trick of like, Oh, I know more than those people. Well, really he just wants to hide from an objective opinion. Yeah. My dad was very stubborn and didn't want to surrender that. So some of that I think got role modeled to me. And early on in my life, I always had issues with my mom abandoned me and was very abusive and we had a very difficult relationship. And so I had issues with that, but I had good tools. You know, I had a father that talked about this stuff and I wasn't brought up by a typical emotionally maladjusted guy. So I was better. So I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, I needed more and we weren't going to get it. So into my adulthood, this was typical. And I was never an alcoholic or anything too serious. When I was a teenager, I think I was a teenage alcoholic Mm. for sure. And part of that was just trying to be popular, be cool. But part of it was I liked, I didn't know this at the time, but I was, I lived in such constant anxiety. I was used to it. I wasn't an outwardly anxious person. I wasn't walking around just like a hyper kid, Yeah. but I was very anxious and stressed and worried. You know, my life was very, felt scary, but you're just used to it. You don't think about it. So alcohol is a release of like, I'm just a person in my body. This is Mm -hmm. awesome. I love drinking Mm -hmm. and I love that feeling of being drunk. And it was just letting all that go and not thinking about it. And uh, in my adulthood, I have a wonderful wife and family and things like that that I don't think ever went too far with anything. I was never had a, never had a problem, Mm -hmm. but I do think there were periods of my life. I definitely was drinking too much for stress and not being aware of what's going on and by not being self-critical enough in the sense of thinking like, Oh, well, I know myself and I know what's going on. Like maybe you should slow down and be a little more objective about yourself. And so that was a long process for me of letting go of my stubbornness and going to like therapy, mm-hmm. getting um, antidepressants. Um, my mom, when she got antidepressants, I'll never forget. I, I definitely felt judgmental. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh yeah, you can't get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Now my mom was a, huge mess um she wasn't a horrible person or anything she had a lot of difficult things she went through too but she definitely did not have the tools to do much more than what she did she had a lot of problems but there was a part of me it was like well yeah it's fine for you to get them i guess Mm. but you know i'm i'm smart i should be able to figure this out there's a lot of pride and vanity involved in that like not wanting to admit like well what makes you so special asshole Mm -hmm. like you know you're just a person too and letting go of that was a big thing. And my wife was a big part of that. She um, lovingly but firmly over time was like, you need to work on this. You're, uh, you're up. Everyone has ups and downs, but your downs are becoming pretty pretty catastrophic. Like I, I can be a moody person. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that's just being a hypersensitive artist. Like I'm taking in things all the time in the world. And I. that sounds like a cop-out to some people. Like, oh, we all have feelings asshole like you're smelling your own farts or something but it's like but it is true i am hypersensitive and i pick up on everybody's mood and and anytime someone says they're an empath everyone wants to throw up because it's like (laughs) yes you're so sensitive fuck off yeah (laughs) but i think i probably am somewhere i don't mean it as a compliment to myself i mean i pick up on every little thing and i can be too hypersensitive that stuff Mm -hmm. so i think society as well teaches you if you're a man well, you should just handle stuff and what's the big deal and you're not supposed to, you know, don't be such a baby about it and there's people that have real problems in the world. 
I still have that language a lot. I'll talk about a problem I'm having and I'll immediately go, but really, you know, I shouldn't complain. It's this, this, and this. Well, some of that's good. Like it's reframing something. Mm-hmm. But part of that's not allowing yourself just to be upset. Yeah. I don't care if you're a billionaire or whatever someone imagines would make all your problems go away. Being a human being is very hard. Staring into the abyss every day is very hard. And there is nothing wrong with having problems with that. It's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty skeptical of people I meet that are all sunshine and rainbows all the time. Mm. Yeah. Deep down, I'm always like, what are you hiding? Yeah. I'm like, you're just lying to yourself a lot or you're, you know, there's something. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a truism. It's just what life is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an important thing to get over that pride. And that helped a lot. And then uh, through the process of therapy and uh, antidepressants, and just like two weeks ago, I was experimenting with like lowering the dosage myself. Mm. And I don't recommend that. It didn't feel great. Mm. And plus my mom just died like three weeks ago. So it's not a great timing. Mm. But I've been wanting to do that for a while. So I just kind of went ahead and did it. And then I went, yeah, this is a good time for this. Um, They don't make me feel noticeably different. Like my fear was it would make me feel like I was kind of numb or something. Not at all. Um, I don't notice it really. Um, I think it just keeps me from going too low. Mm -hmm. Kind of evens it out. Evens it out a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, a lot of there, there, I did everything self-help wise you could do. I was a self-aware person with a self-aware family and father and support system, my mentor. And I still was having problems with letting it go and doing that. So it's very hard. And so I really admire that um, younger people and the modern conversation on this has changed so much. Like it's very important to take away the stigma mm-hmm. or the idea that like, well, you're not a man because you're upset or you're crying. It's such bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And if you'd asked me at any point in my life, I would have said it's bullshit. Yeah. But deep down inside, I was still sort of going, yeah, but not for me though. Cause I'm a badass. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking awesome though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's that thing, like deep down, you don't want to go like, Get over yourself. Mm. It does not matter. It's mm-hmm. stupid. You're unhappy. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have legitimate reasons to have issues. You know, it's like you don't want to um, sometimes, for me, like I said, too, it's I want to be a sensitive person. So if I talk about things I've struggled with or that have hurt me, well, my mind can immediately go to, well, my dad and what he went through. His life was way harder than mine. His yeah. first memory, I won't even say right now because it's too terrible, but it's just like, well, yeah, if you feel guilty going, like, if you're going to play bats, the sad childhood game, he, right. he wins every time. Sure. So you're just like, mm-hmm. but there's people that have gone through just absolute horrors. So if you sit around and you go like, well, I never got over my mom, what she did. It makes me, there's a part of me that feels like I'm being entitled. Mm. And I like to think I'm not an entitled person. Mm-hmm. So that's part of my reframing had, has had to be about, well, you're not entitled. That's just your, that's your story you're dealing with. And mm-hmm. you can only deal with your story. Yeah. And, uh, and so, anyway, I'm proud of overcoming some of that stuff. And a lot of the dysfunctional things in my family didn't go past me. And I'm very proud of that, too, because my daughter never was brought up with these sorts of things or role modeling. And that means a lot to me. And I think it's another thing people should realize is that um, just stopping the cycle is a pretty big victory. Like yeah. You should celebrate that. Like, if you've been in a family like that or been abused or whatever, you simply not repeating it is a victory. Yeah. You should celebrate yourself and be proud of that because that's a beautiful thing to do, to be able to recognize that and grow and go past it. 
and uh, not let your children know about it. Mm. Um, but anyway, it's it's an important conversation to have, and with men especially, um, you two both seem like very nice, well-adjusted, uh, non-toxic men. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you are okay. French, so I'm keeping That's my eye on you. <laughs> right. but, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of dudes out there with maladjusted emotions that are hurt, and they simply don't want to say, I'm hurt, yeah. mm-hmm. or I think no one likes me, or girls don't like me, or whatever, mm-hmm. and their fucking brain is warped mm-hmm. because they're not supposed to say, I'm sad because my dad always put his cigarettes out of my arm and called me a pussy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And instead of just realizing, you know, because that's a big thing too, it, not that you should do it to feel strong, but the strongest I ever felt in my life was when I realized I could lay on my back and let someone see my belly, mm-hmm. you know, see my soft teats. <laughs> once, you, once you let someone see them soft teats, you're like, that's actually real strength because you're like, I'm not afraid to let you see it. Yeah. And you got them too. You got you got some big old swollen teats <laughs> and you got them. You know, but, oh, I got them. But, but it's like that. Then you go, well, that's really feels strong. Yeah. Like in the real version of strength, mm-hmm. not machismo, but just like vulnerability. I'm a human mm-hmm. being. It's all right. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel so much more comfortable and happy just to be able to have that conversation. And so I think I'm a little addicted to it now, too. So I probably, I don't think I'm an oversharer in a bad mm. way. Like, let me tell you about my nuts <laughs> or something. Or you just randomly. Left or right. You just, you just randomly say something. I'm like, that reminds me of pork and my wife. Let me tell you about that. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm that person. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but as far as being open like that, I now that you feel that way, it's like I don't feel any shame at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't embarrass me at all to say, you know, well, my dad was gay and he was miserable, blah, blah, blah. Or it doesn't embarrass me. I'm proud of my dad. I love mm-hmm. my dad. But, um, and if anyone has a problem with it, they can go fuck off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm six, seven, and I don't use that a lot. Yeah. But I'm not afraid to use that if someone deserves it. So mm-hmm. I dare you to come up to me and say something about my dad being gay. <laughs> I dare you. Don't do it. You'll die. I'm, I'm always just looking telling you at right me. now. He's in the studio. His muscles are jacked. There's 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 foam coming out of That's my mouth. Right. There's foam. He poured water no, on himself so he's still glistening. <laughs> he's gonna be no. real slippery. But I just mean it's like, you know, you just get to a point where you're like, well, truth is truth. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of your life is to try and pursue truth in yourself, in my opinion. And um hopefully that truth is not like, well, my truth is I'm a cannibal serial killer and i'm gonna eat you later <laughs> hopefully it's a good truth but yeah but i just mean i've seen what it does to people when they don't live their truth yeah mm-hmm. it drove my dad crazy yeah. he was miserable mm-hmm. and he died an angry scared miserable person and that's not who he was it warped his brain yeah and honestly finding out what your truth is and living it is the whole point of you being alive that's the whole thing and no one's going to judge you for it but yourself and I think it's kind of liberating. It's sad, obviously, in a way, because we all want to feel like we're the center of the universe. That's where our brains work. But all the things we worry about, you're gone five minutes. No one gives a shit. Yeah. Your friends and family and loved ones remember you. They remember the good things. They don't remember you like, you know, you never would pay me back the 20 bucks or, you know, no one gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Like all this stuff that we get wound up about. Yeah. Your job, your car, whatever. No one cares. They're going to remember like your heart, how you made them feel. They're going to remember, they're going to miss you, mm-hmm. but they're not going to care about any of that stuff. And you're going to care. You're going to care if you lived your truth. If you guys had said, well, we always wanted to do a podcast. We never did it or whatever that thing is. Yeah, I'm not minimizing your lives down, just podcasting. 
your French. Yeah, hey, that's not all we do. <laughs> I know. But you know what I mean? Whatever that thing is that you're scared to do, mm-hmm. no one gives a shit. Yeah. And I think a lot of times I held myself back because I was so scared of failure. The stakes felt so high. Yeah. That there were a lot of things that I wasn't doing because it's like, well, what if it doesn't work? Or what if someone doesn't like it? Or I think I'm stupid or whatever. The truth of the matter is the only thing that matters is if you like it or not. And that's it. And especially with creative stuff, my God, like everyone's got an opinion mm-hmm. and you're not going to make anything worthwhile unless you are pursuing what you think's good or worthwhile. Yeah. But man, the sooner you can let go of that, the better. I'm, I'm still working on it. I still get imposter syndrome. I still get like scared to do something. But for me, it really becomes about, I don't want to die having been scared to just do something because I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen what that does. It's not positive. Yeah. But, well, dang. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're all just warm foods for maggots, really. So you yeah. need to get on it. And, That's right. Well, <laughs> sexy warm food yeah. for maggots. but you No, know, but it, it is, your time is so precious. I know it's a cliche. It is, but it's a cliche because there's some truth in it. People right. repeat it all the time. Yeah. And it's just your time is very precious. And that is another thing. Um, I'm not just pandering because you two are, I don't know how old you are, but you're millennial-ish. 35. <laughs> you're not 35. I moisturize. Liar. 25. We're as old as you've been a, for a, however long you've been a graphic okay. designer. <laughs> well, no, I, no, I want to die. No, um, I will say millennials, it's it's so common for people to talk shit about millennials. It drives yeah. me crazy because I'm like, fuck off. Like you, most millennials I know are figuring things out that Gen X, I'm Gen X, that we figure out in middle age. About yeah. being experience driven. We're like the last generation that was brainwashed to be really good, dumb consumers. Mm. Like just go buy that house you can't afford. Go every five years, get a new car. There's all that dumb shit. And because you guys came of age in a desperation economy that's on fire <laughs> in terms of death, you, you, I'm not saying you're saints, but for whatever reason, you have adapted and said, well, what really matters is this. Yeah. What really matters is that. So that's very mature. That's very big picture thinking. And um, so a lot of these things, I feel like that's what's driving so much positive social change is that younger people are seeing that sooner and going, I'm not going to wait till I'm 50 to talk about this. Fuck you. Mm. Like, let's do it now. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to go to the goddamn doctor. <laughs> right. I shouldn't have to like be, be alive, <laughs> scared to death. And I'm not, like, you can have a job with really good insurance and you're like, oh my God, don't call an ambulance. Yeah. For God's sake. You know, the bones <laughs> sticking out of your leg. Like, it's I'm okay, fine. man. It's okay. It's I'll fine. push it. I'll push it back. In. <laughs> I'll watch a YouTube video on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's bite down on my belt. Let's go. <laughs> um, you know, but that's, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think mental health is a big one. I think these are conversations that when I was 25, I had, but none of my friends had. Mm. I would, I was the guy to bring his stuff up and he'd be like, Ooh. yeah, I'm making the jerk off motion. Right? <laughs> I was about to describe it. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Chad's talking about it. Uh, like, that's what you should be talking about. It's yeah. important. Mm-hmm. And it makes you live your life more in, intently. Mm-hmm. So it's not a depressing thing. Like, are you going to die? Well, of course you're going to fucking die. And uh, I'm not a hardcore atheist. I think who knows, who knows what happens. Right. Um, so you don't have to look at it bleakly like that, but you should think about that shit and say, well, if you always wanted to write or whatever, go write. Mm-hmm. What if it sucks? It probably will. Yeah. Because no one writes that well right off the bat. <laughs> That's true. But when you do it a lot, mm-hmm. it'll get better. And like the sketchbook analogy, I always tell people like, it's just push-ups, man. Go do push-ups. Yeah. Like you're not going to do them great. You're going to be weak. You're flabby. Just go write all the damn time or draw or whatever. And then 
10 years. What else are you going to do? Watch Friends reruns? Cheers. I, Cheers is a lot better. <laughs> yeah. The first five seasons, I, I, will, <laughs> Here stop, we go. I will stop. <laughs> the first five seasons hold up. You could, you could put it out now and you'd go, oh, it's like a Netflix show that came out. Yeah. That's really good. Like it feels more like a modern day. It's about, it's about something. It's about this relationship mm. and these people. And it doesn't have as many of the corny sitcom tropes and it's not mm. cartoonish. And when Diane leaves, and that's when the show starts getting popular and it gets mm. worse as it goes on because the show is popular. And you can tell it starts becoming like the sitcom tropes where like Norm isn't just like a guy's at the bar too much. He's like a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> like I can't even laugh about him because he's so mean to his wife. Uh. And he's like, he's avoiding her. And he's so, I'm like, then divorce her. What are you doing? Like, this is awful. Like he's no. so awful to his wife. Well, the early seasons, he's not really that bad. And they actually will reveal he loves her and he's good to her, but he's likes to hang out at the bar. And it, uh. it feels more grounded, like a realistic, sustainable relationship. And by season seven or eight, you're like, She's sick if she's with this guy. Like, this is <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> but anyway, the, I will say the first five seasons hold up really remarkably. Good. Okay. Like I was shocked by. Um, it's it's There's a lot of old shows you can watch for nostalgia, but you go, that's not that good. Cheers is the first five years really good. Okay. I've, I've always heard that about Cheers and The West Wing. Yeah, seems West Wing seems to be well, one uh, of them. The way you said that for some reason was weird to me. The what? West Wing. Well, how else? I always just people say West Wing like, uh, really might, quick. It might just be West Wing. I just added the dub. But. And again, how you're saying it is not weird. It's just I feel like I've always heard people rapidly say West Wing. Get off me, Kyle. <laughs> Spoon buddy, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just my French way of saying it. All right. Well, <clears throat> All right. Chad, I love doing this show. And that last, just everything you said about mental health and everything is uh, just is kind of one of the things I would point to. If someone asked me why, I'd be like, mm, that, because it's just... Yeah, it's tasty. It is. I mean, I'm not going to... I mean, yeah, it, it's tasty. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> but, I enjoy talking about myself and talking about cheers. <laughs> there you well, go. and again, and it's all there is, I, I really. won't affirm you too much because, you know... it. Being a friend is one of those awkward things where it's like when someone just starts complimenting you, you're just kind of like, eh, okay. <laughs> no one really likes it, minus, again, the people who are assholes who just eat it up. But thank you for your honesty. Thanks for being open about that stuff. Sure. And I think, again, it's good, and I'm glad that we have a platform where we can kind of, to however many people listen, drive that into them of mm -hmm. like, hey, it is okay to talk about these things and to feel the way that you feel. Um, and so beyond just the mental health series month, you know, that we did, I want it to be a consistent thing on this podcast. Yeah. So thank you That's again good. for being someone who represents that. Too. Well, you're just role modeling it. Well, just by the, you know, people pick up on it by the way you carry yourself, or the way you talk. So mm. I'm sure just you having that consciousness will, will rub off. Like you're not a couple of, not a couple of douchebags. Oh, thank well, you. <laughs> and I, I like to think that even if we're not addressing it directly, it kind of bleeds into the way we approach yeah, that's different what I questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're French, so you said it better than me. That's what I mean is it, it, it exudes how yeah. someone lives their life. Sure. So if yeah. someone's a sure. conscious, sensitive person, you're going to you know know it, and then hopefully that picks up on it. Yeah. But it's more likely, though, is one of those assholes will turn you on and be like, Man, these two guys sound like a couple of fucking weenies. Man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm very, I grew up around a lot of rednecks, so I'm I'm good at doing like, you know. That's that was terrifying. Good. Yeah. <laughs> man, these two 
fucking <laughs> I can't even say that word. Yeah, no there's another F word there. Yeah. I, you yeah. know what word I won't <laughs> say, but I, <laughs> but, I, but it's 2019, so I'm going to say it. I ain't going to say right. that. I ain't going to say that, that shit. I ain't going to say that shit, but that's what they is. <laughs> they spooning. <laughs> they, they talking about their they they, feelings all they the time. They spooning. One, one of them's foreign. They West Wayne He's some. Frenchy, <laughs> I bet you, I bet you, you put him out there in the woods, he wouldn't make it five damn minutes. He would, he would be spooning nothing but his mama. That's what he'd be spooning. <laughs> um, I love it. On that note, let's uh, let's get to that rapid fire. Then let's get out of here. Um, Chad, are you ready for some quick questions? I'm terrified. Good. I'm I only the have, God he only you. has long answers. I know. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Jesus no. <laughs> All right. I hate myself so much right now. <laughs> I reject it. All right. Let's go to rapid fire. Here we go. In a physical brawl to the death, polar bear versus grizzly bear. Go. Uh, grizzly bear. Okay. If you couldn't use the name Big Bot Design, it had to choose between the following. What would you choose? Not small bot design, big boned bot design, or thick bot design? <laughs> Definitely thick. <laughs> Definitely thick <laughs> you have to say design. it like that. Thick. Thick. I'd have to spell it so they're forced to say it that way. <laughs> I kind of want to make that t-shirt now or something. Hey, thick you're free to do it. Um, what do you like least now? Fireworks or pranks? Oh, that's tough because I don't like either one. <laughs> um, Sophie's choice. They have to be a quick answer. I'm going to say fireworks because the 4th of July was recent, but yeah. that's, that's a tough one not to elaborate on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> favorite era of Doctor Who? Ooh. Um, I'm not a big Doctor Who person. Oh, okay. I heard you in passing in something I was listening to be like, oh, and then talk about my favorite era of Doctor Who. And so I was like, oh, he's, oh I'm going to write it down. I, 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 th- this is not derailing it. I have watched it. I watched it in the 70s on the reruns on PBS, mm-hmm. and it was too bad even for me as a kid. <laughs> and then I watched the, the reboot, and I liked it a lot, but then something happened. I had got busy, and mm-hmm. a few seasons went by, and I got so far behind, I never caught up. So I like it in spirit, but okay. I'm not well-versed in it. I've never seen an episode, so I have no judgment. Which universal classic monster would you get a beer with? Your shirt makes me feel like something <laughs> might be the answer. Well, but, uh, yeah, I love Frankenstein's monster a lot. Um, I'm not someone who gets mad when people call him Frankenstein. It's like saying we know Frankenstein who you're talking about. Fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's right. been said so much. Like, like, we like, all know what we're uh, talking actually, about. Frankenstein was the doctor and he's <laughs> the monster. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, everyone calls him Frankenstein, you dick. Um, go, kiss, go kiss a girl. Take a shower. Well, um, and some would say that Dr. Frankenstein was the monster. But, I'm, uh, but, but, but you would assume, yeah, you just no. out-nerded us all. Uh, no, it's so you would assume I'd say Frankenstein, but I'm actually going to say the bride. Nice. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Very I cool. Think, I think she she's kind of wound up in that movie. She She's in a world where she doesn't understand. I think she needs to have a drink. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's sexy. Mm-hmm. Maybe some fireworks kick off later. <laughs> couple- this is a reality where I'm not married to my wife. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> let's, yeah, yeah. Be, let's, be, let's be clear. Let's be very clear. Not to mention that it's a reality where the bride exists. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she's looking for love. That's right. And, and a drink. Um, <laughs> she's just going to hiss at me. <laughs> Next, do you love Lamp? <laughs> I love Lamp and yeah. I love uh, Ron Burgundy. Yes. Now, do you really love Lamp or are you just, just saying, saying that, that because you saw it? <laughs> <laughs> I like light, so I do like Lamp. Yeah, okay. I need to read. There I do. <laughs> On a scale of one through ten, how attractive do you find Lionel Richie? <laughs> 
He's a one. That's a hideous motherfucker, man. <laughs> you heard it here. And the last one, will you let Noah draw you like one of his French girls? <laughs> I like it. Um, yes, as long as I don't have to actually model nude in front of him. If I have to actually commit to modeling nude, I can't. Well, I your can't pants are already off. So. That's right. <laughs> it's already up there. It's in the mind. The mind he, bank. He can do a drawing of me in repose. Yeah. I'm not going to model for him. Okay. No, that's okay. I accept okay. it. But <laughs> I have a very I have a very good imagination. Oh, no. <laughs> he's French. Yeah. He's, he's already imagined that's it all. That's right. Yeah. Well, Chad, thank you so much for thank coming you. on the show. Um, again, this is something that Noah and I always just marvel at where we're like, we never offer money in an email. It's just always <laughs> like, will you come talk with us? There's never any game. There's never yeah. any hook. It's just, will you come talk with us? So the fact that people come and do... Is just so nice. I mean, it's a lot of your time. So thank you for taking time out of well, your Thanks evening. for having me. I enjoy meeting people doing creative things. That's why I'm here. And oh, I yeah. think and I think um, what you do is great. And I've enjoyed it. And you're really good at it. This was a lot of fun. So, um, and I like making new friends. So you're part of our community, the creative community in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. So to me, this is a way to meet two new friends in the creative community. Yeah. So it's so it's my pleasure. So I'm not doing you a favor, you're doing me a favor. Well, thank you, Perfect. sir. We're happy to, we'll to, take it. To, to know you and have gotten to talk to you now. Yeah, thank you. Um, where can people find your stuff if they want to engage with you more? So my website's big-bot.com. It's not just Big Bot because there's a guy squatting on that domain. He sells old Transformers. Uh, he wanted 10 grand for it. Of I, course. I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> so I have to always say big-bot.com. Um, that site has a lot of my retail stuff I sell and art. Um, I'm... I'm a commercial graphic artist, commercial artist, and my site doesn't reflect that right now. I'm redoing it, but I'm available for hire for illustration work, graphic design, logos, uh, you name it, apparel design. I've done a lot of that. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at BigBotDesign. I'm on every platform at BigBotDesign. Mm -hmm. I need to get off every platform. I mean, you can find <laughs> me on LinkedIn. For goodness sake. Oh, I found you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably gave you that notification saying, Kyle's looked at yeah, your profile. Yeah. Uh, so... I'm not hard to find. If you type Big Bot Design, you'll find me. Um, I run the Cattywampus Co-op. We do shows. Um, I may do a death ray pop-up later this year. I may not. I'm really burned out and tired. Mm -hmm. So I may not do anything else the rest of the year and just work and try and catch up on bills. Yeah. So running shows pays tens of dollars. So I'm broke. Right. But um, but anyway, I may do that and I'd stay tuned for future things. I think we're going to do more with death ray and really try and make it a fun art experience in Northwest Arkansas. Cool. Yeah. Well, again, all the all the all the places that Chad talked about will be in the show links if you just want an easy click to go somewhere. And we love going to Death Ray. So thanks again thanks, for putting thanks, that on. I wouldn't there. have known about it if I had not known about you. So yeah. that was super fun and cool. cool. Um, listeners, you are objectively beautiful. And tasty. I appreciate you tasty. Thank you, Noah. I feel very affirmed <laughs> with that word tonight. Um, and we appreciate you listening. So thank you. Uh, if you haven't already, please just subscribe so that you get notified right away when there's a new episode. Let your friends know. And last episode, we talked about Give Me to the Waves or Comic Pitch. Now there is a tab on our website where you can look at all the information. So if you heard us talk about that, we're interested Go to our website, ominous.media, and you can see everything about our comic, Gimme to the Waves. And as always, you can follow Noah and I on Instagram if you want to just talk about art stuff or whatever. But Noah, Chad, you guys are awesome. And I think we should end this evening with a celebratory spoon.
Okay. Is that your Instagram handle, Spoon Boys? <laughs> uh, it is just now. Just give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, guys. All right. Bye. I love you.